0: Hello, welcome to episode 40 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. Howdy doody doody. Howdy doody do. Doody do. Uh, doody do. Okay, yeah. cool. All right? um, I,
1: yes, I, I, I was trying okay. to figure out if I was all right or not after that greeting. But yes, I, I figure I'm okay. Oh, it on? was very pleasant,
0: Steve. I just wasn't used to it. No. <laughs> nah. Well, it's quite a good week, Renfrey. Mm, it's a great week. I think this week's a good week. I feel
1: like we've discussed quite a bit how it's been quite a slow start to the year, yeah, musically, and it feels like it's picking up now. Yeah,
0: the old revving into gear, aren't we? Yeah,
1: every time, every time we have an album uh, release schedule thing yeah. that we both kind of top up, and every time I look at it in like the last couple of weeks, I get. Excited, yeah, for sure. So I feel like some good shit is coming out.
0: Let's let people know what we're talking about this week. Then we're even missing some that are out this week. Like, that is how good it's getting. We're having to kind of bin a few off that are good, but we'll try and get round to stuff that we've missed later on in the year. But this week we're going to be reviewing the new albums from Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, the Wild Hearts, the Physics House Band, and from Marissa Nadler and Stephen Brodsky. Plus trade off. Um, pits New Orleans sludge uh, and earnest heartland punk rock in the form of acid bath and beach slang together at last very well put I think yeah Yeah. Um, obviously as we like to start each show with uh, with you know um, pitting ourselves against our good friends in musicism. (laughs) we don't like to do that but that's fine Uh, fine. go to musicism.net there are our our, our friends who basically um, put up with our shit all the time (laughs) uh that's right yeah that's right they provide great courses for singer songwriters guitarists producers etc etc it's 9.99 a month at musicism.net and you can get 25 percent off all of the courses that they provide uh if you type in riot in capital letters in the checkout so go and do that if you are uh looking to become the next darius rucker or richard ashcroft just as a shout out (laughs) from last week Depending they, on what side of the pond you are, I suppose. Be yeah, basically. I suppose it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah it uh, would. We've got some merch as well, haven't we? We, we haven't really talked about the merch that much. Um, so, yeah, go over to com, and there you'll find a link for where you can buy. Have you just your coffee all over <laughs> my, on my house? My house is such a fucking tip. Right, I'm going to deviate from the hard sell for a second <laughs> just say i'm really sorry there's a towel up there there's cat shit on the fucking wall there's like stuff all over the place There's a loaf of bread just hanging around cat food on the floor it's really dusty and i'm sorry i mean it's like this but you've actually added to it I and made, the reason is because i've just been really lazy recently i made one tiny spillage i know and but can't my house even is a mess begin. at the moment it's an absolute state and poor bonjour's got a kidney infection I mean, well, so let's just sack this off then. Yeah, she's not like, happy. So it's just, I don't know. We're on episode
1: 40, Steve. We, are, we yeah. should be super I'm,
0: excited. It's, yeah, it's Mid, great. Having a middle-aged breakdown, <laughs> midlife crisis. Um, but anyway, yeah, we do have merch. If you want to buy some merch, if you've got a t-shirt or a mug or a drawstring bag or a cap, or a beanie or yep. any of them things, you know, yep. the usual stuff and it's nothing particularly it's nothing sexual, is what I was <laughs> gonna say. Uh, then go over to Right Act Podcast. We are working
1: on Right Act dildos of course. Yeah. Um, um, for the Rammstein album coming mm, out, yeah, just exactly. as a little
0: nod. And uh, if you just don't if, if you want to give us some money but not having anything back in return, um, go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash right act podcast where uh, You can just give us some money uh, if you feel like you've done it again, you (laughs) fucking dirty cunt. And I think this is. Cunt.
1: I think there's something wrong with this cup. So, so um, we've actually upgraded to Starbucks. Oh, Yeah, we can yeah, do that. I was on the BBC for a second. Then, <laughs> uh, so Starbucks and their lovely, lovely coffee. Oh, we do like a bit of Starbucks,
0: don't we? And Jaffa just, cakes. Prefer costume or something.
1: Yeah, Starbucks burn their beans. Do they? I find. Yeah, they do, don't they? I that's what I feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's another sponsor. Down the <laughs> toilet, isn't it? Potential sponsorship. But it's very nice. It. <laughs> this caramel macchiato is lovely. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah. If you want to be a patron, you know we do the rioters review uh, that goes up early for patrons. It'll be free eventually. If you don't want to do that, I'm basically I'm sick of begging every week now. So <laughs> fuck you if you don't want to give us any money. Just gonna fuck you when I uh, <clears throat> when we when we die in poverty. You'll be to blame, but no, don't feel guilty about wow. it. Wow, <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, but we
1: have just been discussing Writer's Review, haven't we? we mm-hmm. We've had some new ish suggestions, yeah, good suggestions, uh, which we're quite excited about. Yeah, so yes. Including Biffy Clyro. Caius, I think Caius. Caius, I think they'll definitely killing do
0: Killing Joke. Yeah. Killing Joke album. Yeah. There's
1: been a bunch. So, yes, thank you for those. They seem to. I don't think. I don't know. Are we ever going to catch up with them? Who knows? They're, they're well, coming I don't in the want to catch up with them.
0: Really. I, don't want to get, I don't want to do it and then there'd be none there. No, true. True. That would suck. There's a fucking fly in here now. What's going on? Because <laughs> your Shit shitty it. house. Yeah, it is a shithole at the moment. Awful. Anyway, speaking of shitholes. Woodstock '50 has been cancelled, uh, so the fiftieth anniversary of um, three days of peace and love in upstate New York, 1969. Uh, it's the fiftieth anniversary of Woodstock, which you know I can't get too dewy-eyed about the original Woodstock because it was you know 20 years before I was born. I was gonna say we, we weren't there, and yeah.
1: uh, we were mere oh. What's the phrase when you're twinkling, twinkling the eye? Father's
0: eyes. Yeah, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. It's an Ooh, expression. No, My it's f- when it gets to eye. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't like it. That might be in a twinkle. <laughs> the twinkle, not in the fine. eye, somewhere else. Um, yeah. So Woodstock Fifty's been cancelled. So then, to Aegeus, who are the primary investors, have said that they. And I quote, don't believe the production can be executed as an event worthy of the Woodstock name. As a result, and careful consideration, Amplify Live, who are part of Dentu um, as part of the fef- festival, have decided to cancel Woodstock 50. Uh, the organisers, they have hit back and have denied that it's been cancelled completely, stating a legal remedy will be sought. Oh. So as we record this, I mean... This goes out a few days later. It might have been sorted and clarified. Uh in, in the uh in the coming days. Um apologies if it has been. But as we sit here at the moment, it's all a little bit of a mess, Woodstock fifty. Mm. It never seems to run smoothly, does it, Woodstock? No. Never ever. Even the first
1: one. I mean, people well, forget that mm. the first one was, you know, yeah. shoddily run and yeah. although
0: they brought it up on the fire festival documentary, didn't they? <coughs> so, you know. They did similarly. actually. Yeah.
1: Um, wasn't wasn't it? Jimi Hendrix like came on at like twenty past four in the morning or something. Yeah, I think later than that, like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he came on like, I mean, people had just been waiting literally all night for him, mm. uh, and loads of pe- loads and loads of people had gone home. Mm-hmm. Like loads of people say, "Oh yeah, I was there." I was blah, blah, blah. And
0: they'd probably gone home. Yeah. Lot, lot, lot so life. I mean, it, it's kind of gone down in legend. Uh, the original Woodstock, obviously, um, twenty-five years later in nineteen ninety-four, they did Woodstock. The twenty fifth anniversary. Now that is where I start feeling old. Yeah, you look at that lineup. Mm. That's a great lineup. This is like Green that's, Day that and that Nine inch inch nails is, and Yeah, that for me is the, the the kind of the great Woodstock Metallica, Chili Peppers when oh, they yeah. were good. Yeah, Porno for Pyros, yeah. Rollins Band. Yeah, Um oh, Peter would... Gabriel. There, <laughs> there's a clip right to show you how mad the nineties were. I don't think anything sums up how bizarre the nineties were than looking at. 100,000 mud covered grungers waiting for like Blind Melon and the, the cranberries to come on, uh, and Nine Inch Nails. I mean, the night if you watch the Nine Inch Nails footage, it was the 1940s, absolutely. Stunning. I think if i could be at any gig, that I would have been, I'd do anything to see that gig. Mm. Fucking Amazing! Well,
1: Nine Inch Nails on the Downward Spiral, yeah. yeah. I mean, that there, alone, there, in mud. Yeah, 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 Green yeah. Day on Dookie, like it was. That Green Day set, I mean, I, I imagine you don't feel as strongly about it as I do, but I regularly listen to that Green Day Woodstock set because obviously it's only stuff from the first three albums and mm. it's just fucking blinding, you yeah. know, like it's so good. That is good, actually, really, really it's
0: good. really good. It was um, re-released on vinyl for Record Store Day this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, oh. uh, but there's Peter Gabriel doing Sledgehammer in the yeah. middle of all that on YouTube and he's doing like I was watching the sledge.
1: Sorry, sorry, I was watching the Sledgehammer music video just the other day. That's- still looks good i think it looks great it's mm. fantastic i was um listening to the Roher lester uh, uh that's uh richard herring's lester square it's a podcast for those who don't know um and peter lord from Ardman. Mm. Ardman was uh on it i was it. listening to that and I yeah it very good
0: you stopped <laughs> yeah to do something else <laughs> but it was very good carry on yeah peter gabriel doing that in woodstock 94 is a bizarre thing really yeah, really bet. weird i bet so weird just coming out of doing like Sledgehammer and doing like choreographed dance moves with his daughter. Very, very strange. But anyway, Mm. we'll talk about Woodstock 99 in a minute. Then it disappeared after Woodstock 99 and the debacle Mm. of Woodstock 99. 50th anniversary of Woodstock uh, with a lineup which features the kind of bands that we would cover Run the Jewels, the Raconteurs, Fever 333, the Black Keys, Greta Van Fleet, Pussy Riot, and Rival Sons. Performing alongside the likes of The Killers, Miley Cyrus, Akon, Imagine Dragons. And Halsey, so fucking good riddance, in, in other words. Yeah. I mean, fucking, I thought yeah. getting Insane Clown Posse and Godsmack in 1999 was bad enough. <laughs> but that is a fucking stinking lineup. Um It doesn't really feel like that.
1: It, I mean, I, to be honest, I would argue this with um, Woodstock 2 as well, really. It doesn't really feel like it has anything to do with the original Woodstock whatsoever.
0: No, that's the main problem, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, looking at it, and the fact that it's getting cancelled, mm. this is two things to me. One, that um, the the kind of the lure of nostalgia, as we're led to believe it, is maybe not quite as big as what I thought it was. Okay. And two, in an in a, because you think people are going, "Wow, Woodstock," but I guess the divide between what's become popular over the years under the Woodstock banner. It's very difficult to make people, you know, Woodstock obviously doesn't carry the same cachet as Coachella does for these people. Because you look at it and it's kind of a baby Coachella, you know, Miley Cyrus. You've got stuff like Santana um, and um David Crosby and Friends. And do you know what I mean? They've obviously, there are enough nods to the original Woodstock. That, um, there are a few nods to the original Woodstock that they're in. I think like Robert Plant's, Um, band are playing as well but then when you look at stuff like like i said halsey imagine dragons jay-z janelle Monet, um chance the rapper uh you know it's it's very much um the kind of thing that you would expect at reading reading which again goes to show you know one i don't know if the the sort of the the divide between generations has ever been so grand before
1: well I mean just to pick you on, on a point quickly I, I don't know do people feel nostalgic for Woodstock I feel
0: like I th- I, I think they did in the 90s possibly 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 I in mean the I 90s. got no, to bring go back tonight but what I'm saying is I think when they did those two Woodstock's after I think the name was so big like Glastonbury mm. do you know what I mean I think Glastonbury has managed to keep the essence of you know outside of the main stages and out, you know away from the pyramid stage I, I, as far as i'm aware glastonbury has managed to you know this kind of when you go to the shangri-la and whatever it's managed to keep the essence of what made the original glastonbury hmm. special
1: but glastonbury is an event that ran uh what runs most years and yeah. has done since uh, glastonbury 70s um, yeah 1970 was the first yeah month. so and and <laughs> with with the original woodstock being a one-off event Mm. I I just don't think it can carry that cachet. I mean, you know, the chances that uh, there may be a few people who were at the first Woodstock who had bought tickets to Woodstock 50. Woodstock 50, is that what we're do? I doubt there would have been many there. No, no,
0: I don't think there'd been many. But I guess, I mean, like, you know, I was 14 and 19 when the other two Woodstocks came along and the idea to me of going, oh it's woodstock it's the it's the original festival it's the first i mean you know even that's that's not true obviously mm, because mm. the isle of wight was there first and it's the first, the first the, big one that people talk about yeah is, for sure first event anyway
1: i think i mean I, i'd say the other thing is that there's just so much more competition now yeah i think with that's festivals. what it is like i mean when you were nostalgic for woodstock when you were looking at woodstock 2 in 94 what was there? Reading, the Le- Reading and Leeds, was, Phoenix, uh, Astonbury,
0: right. and
1: there we go. That's about it, really. Whereas now we have, you know, Slam Dunk, uh, Arc Tangent, Two Thousand Trees, Download, um, whatever V, uh, whatever V, <laughs> <is>. yeah, being <laughs> Like the, 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 you know, there's just so many now, mm. and it kind of. I don't I don't know if a 23 year old gives a flying fuck about Woodstock to be totally honest. Do you know what? No. Do you know what I mean? Like not a flying fuck, but I don't think the name alone would be enough, especially considering I mean I don't know how much those tickets are, but I'm assuming for a lineup like that we're probably talking a couple of hundred dollars, I'm guessing. Oh God, at least. So <laughs> like at like... at least
0: that's the thing and it's a very they made a mistake i mean i to pick up on that i think they made a huge mistake and it's a massive error with the lineup they've booked because it's very varied it's it's varied but there, you know there are it feels much more like a you know a a kind of a coachella with a few with like santana chucked in yeah yeah I, i kind of i mean obviously they'd have been better off going fuck it let's book bob dylan and let's book robert plant and let's let's make it really kind of heartbreak, but they never do
1: i think this is an interesting point though in terms of like why don't they do it bringing bob dylan in and, and, and like those heritage acts who could have potentially played the festival in 69 um i mean there's been this i'm not saying that it's necessarily going to happen in live music but in film there's been this kind of um what do they call it like the the geriatric dollar you know, there's been a spate of films like, um, what is it? The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Mm-hmm. There, there, and there was this run of films which were basically aimed at 60 plus. Yeah. And one would imagine that there are, I mean, obviously going to gigs and going to festivals is a young person's game to a degree. Mm but i still feel there are usually very irritating single middle-aged people who are uh i don't know having a midlife crisis and might want to go to a festival mm. and that's for them <laughs> well, i was going to say if you could if you could aim a festival at those people but word it in a nicer way um it would be interesting to see if that works or not no. and if you were to do that the woodstock branding clearly wouldn't be a bad no but if you're putting uh, a brand for it, but if you're putting Miley Cyrus as one of the headliners, yeah. um, people in their 50s or 60s or wherever
0: are not going mm. to give a shit. The only kind of sort of people in their 40s who like uh, Miley Cyrus would be someone like Caroline Flack, who's <laughs> <laughs> just like a drunk aunt at an 18th birthday party. Exactly. actually yeah. I've not watched Love Island much, but every time I watch it, I just look at Caroline Flack and I just think, What a humiliating life that is to (laughs) pretend to be 22 for sort of 25 years. Yeah. 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 Anyway. um, Anyway. Woodstock 50 and Caroline Flack. Two terrible things (laughs) that I'd be happy to see the back of. And one of them have gone. Flackstock. Fingers crossed that Caroline Flack goes soon. So uh, let's talk about some live reviews. I just don't like her. Don't look at me like that. She's (laughs) awful. She's awful. Um, UFC Restorations. I did. Whose album LP50. Uh, was in my top 20 albums of the year. I think it was number 20 last year. Damn, and I listened to it, funnily enough, a few days ago. I think it's uh-huh. a great album. It's, it's stuck with me. Um, it's so, so good. It's I, such I a great record. Didn't even realise they were playing. Didn't
1: yeah, know. they were playing um, a tiny uh, pub, basically, in New Cross, which is literally around the corner from both of us, uh, called the New Cross Inn. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and um, they were supported by Tom May and Roger Harvey. Tom May is from the Menzingers. Roger Harvey I don't know if Roger Harvey's in a band but he does his own sort of stuff as well and it's quite a weird slot in a way because in the end they were actually on stage for 70 minutes um so it almost felt like a co-headliner because restorations only ended up doing about an hour um but it was just Tom and Roger with um acoustic guitars and they were kind of doing they, they did it in quite a nice way. So they do a Roger Harvey song, then a cover, then a Menzinga song and sort of flip it like that. And it was cool. Um, it did feel like, I have to confess, and I, I, I don't like saying this, but it did feel like a lot of people come down to see Tom May solo. Because I think once um, once they'd finished, it was probably only 20, 25 people left. But in a room that small, you can kind of tell it's quite noticeable. Yeah. It was very, very full for Roger Harvey There were only Harvey 20 people May. left. Sorry, I think about 20 Uh, people left. Oh, I thought you meant there were 25 people left. No, no, no,
0: no,
1: no. Uh, 20 or 25 people probably left, but it's probably uh, 200 cap. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess so. pretty Um, small, isn't it? So, but um, more for them, because restorations, I've said it before on this show, I think. Mm. I think they are my favourite of those Philly, heart-on-sleeve, punk emo bands yeah uh of the likes of gaslight anthem um menzingers uh Mm. that kind of thing just because they're so much more psychedelic and interesting like the often like the gaslight anthem songs or menzinger songs are relatively simple and there's nothing wrong with that but it's because they're trying to they're often trying to get some sort of story across Mm. restoration songs kind of do that in a sense but just have a far more interesting almost sound garden-y kind yeah. of psychedelic they're not feel race, to them. they're not
0: straightforward though. they
1: are not straightforward at all and mm. even if you just took the lyrics you might not necessarily it feels like more like snatches of a story rather than a narrative driven thing um but yeah they, they they are just a brilliant brilliant band who deserve to be doing who deserve to be as big as those bands i think i guess they're too unusual but Mm. i think they're fantastic they played uh five songs from lp 5000 which was brilliant um all of the new songs sounded brilliant particularly like the red door uh and melt they started with melt which Mm. is really cool i think they didn't play i which was a bit of a shame yeah i have to say an amazing song yeah um i would have quite liked they actually ended with a song from lp3 which is my favorite called the future really odd way to end because it's quite chilled our Mm. way but actually i almost would have preferred it if they'd ended with i i think that would have been super cool yeah um but they also played like i mean separate songs is uh, like one of my favorite songs of all time i think um and it was just a brilliant brilliant show Excellent band, excellent energy. If you haven't checked out Restorations yet, please check them out. Oh my God, yeah, definitely.
0: definitely. Especially
1: I mean, if you're on, on Menzinger's mm. kick well, or we, We're going to talk
0: about beach slang in a little bit. and Absolutely. It's very much from, you know, we'll probably be talking a few of those bands. Uh, Heart on
1: sleeve, emotive, rock. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Just All fucking right. great. Cool. Um, last night, I went to go and see H09909, or Horror, as they like as to the kids call As them. the kids call them. As the kids call them. Yeah. Who were playing a sold-out show at the garage. Now, um sold out, sold out and really was sold out as well. Wow. Now, Rimfree, I'm interested in this actually. I don't know what how you feel about horror. <coughs> I think they're a very um
1: energetic, fun live band. I've seen them live yeah. mm, three or four times. Me too. I think they're very entertaining live. Mm-hmm. I think Think they don't really have any songs.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what that's being a bit
1: harsh, but that's generally how I feel. I don't about think it's being that harsh, actually. Yeah, I um, mean, the, the the album came. What was it called? United States of Horror. I yeah. think it's like twenty one tracks, mm-hmm. and it just sort of blists through them all, and you, you just don't ever feel like there's any point that you can grab onto. I, no, and they I really don't. Th- th- basically, I don't think they're very good songwriters, is what I'm trying to say. Mm.
0: Um. Yeah, so I, I I think I think you're right. Like, what is fucking really really exciting about horror is I watched them last night and I went in, kind of like you know I'm aware that they're good live, but I wasn't keen on the album. And they released mm. something late last year as well, and I, that didn't do much for me either. To the point where that we didn't even mention it when it came out. Right. Um, and you know, I wanted to kind of go in and and feel like i would understand them more sort of post having listened to the album and i've seen him a few times but but i've got and, and it was sort of a slow build i mean what i will say about them is they've got you know they're they on tour with the prodigy and they've got a similar sort of thing to the prodigy where um they can instigate chaos from mm-hmm. very little on stage the show's very electrifying yeah and i found myself going well that reminds me of you know that that reminds me of <laughs> bonjour's up here Having a say, um, that reminds me of Primal Scream. That reminds me of Dead Kennedys. Yep. That reminds me of the Wu Tang Clan. That reminds me of the Prodigy. That reminds yeah. me of Minor Threat. Yeah. That reminds me of the Damned. Like, do you know what I mean? It was. It's a really, really eclectic mix of stuff. I definitely you know? think that lineage is there, and yeah. I would never
1: deny that. Like,
0: they feel like a punk band and doing punk rock in a in a very very uh, unique way. Yeah. And I think that's cool. And there there were points yesterday where you know people were going berserk for them mm, absolutely yeah. berserk people and who singing like singing along and i was like oh my god i don't even remember how you sing along to these songs i yeah. don't remember the songs
1: people who like them really fucking like them yeah <laughs> but
0: i thought it was quite telling that the the best and this was actually amazing like they they sort of built up to a fervor and then just before they went off for the encore they did a three song kind of medley of prodigy songs now oh. in the aftermath of Keith Flint's, ah. um, you know, passing away. They did smack my bitch up, fire starter, and breathe. Mm. And the whole place went mental. Mm. And the whole, and it was electric. And at the end, people were chanting, Keith, Keith, Keith. And it was, it was like, you looked around, and you were like, fucking hell. This feels like actually watching the prodigy in a club. Wow. Well, like, right, you yeah. wow. They had the lights, and you could just see, you know, this ball of sort of dreadlocks and you know that because the two guys i don't know what either of them are called off the top of my head i don't know which one's which off the top of my head so one of them has got massive dreadlocks and he's really really tall mm. and he's kind of slinky sort of moves around and then he kind of he's got a, a he's got a more of a kind of gangster rap vocal style yeah. where he the, used to come out in a wedding dress didn't he yeah, yeah 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 whereas the other one um was dressed in like bondage pants and was wearing a susie in the banshees t-shirt and was and really he reminded me more of like kind of like jello biafra it was like watching yeah it was like watching you know bad brains with two singers and like sort of taking um hr and splicing them apart and one of them was really into um you know like gothic punk and the other one was really into like you know west coast gangster rap they definitely have two very distinct personalities on stage Mm -hmm. and it's a very cool thing and their drummer's amazing drummer is brilliant yep yeah and the lights they had these kind of green wash of lights which just get and at the audience, and it, there was a point like where they were doing breathe, where I was like, and people were losing their shit. Like mm. I stood by the mixing desk, like quite far away from the back, and I could see that people were going crazy anyway. But then when it spread throughout the whole venue, it was amazing. It was amazing, and I walked out going, "Fucking hell, I'd never really been that bothered by him before, but that was fucking brilliant." Mm. And then I listened to the album today, mm. and I went, ah, "I still don't." Mm didn't get the album
1: i think that says it all really i mean the reason why they were really fun, fantastic for you live or certainly during that three-song run is circumstantial rather than uh due to because there's plenty of things to admire about horror you've just l- listed a bunch Whoa. of stuff live that i've gone yeah i agree with that yeah 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 mm-hmm. amazing presence amazing you know, personalities. But if you don't have the songs, it's like a film with a bad script. Like yeah.
0: it's the, the, the first thing you need is good songs. Yeah. And I think horror. But the problem is, is I think like that often those yeah. songs did sound good live. Right. That's what was weird about it. So I think they've got everything in their locker mm. to write a good album. I think that, you know, the problem was, is, and the problem is, is that they were hyped so quickly, so soon after they yeah. came out. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know, they, they everyone started to say how they're the best, you know, new band and, oh my God, they're incredible, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then the album came out and it wasn't all that, but people were like, well, no, I've said it now, so I have to go with mm-hmm. it. Mm. And that's, you know, that's the sort of society that we live in. that People have already said, people have run out of hyperbole for for you know for for horror when i think when they do do something genuinely great and i believe that they will to be honest i think you know it might be the next album it might be the one after but i think potentially i think they've got everything they're capable of of, from from what i saw last night they're capable of creating bits that make you go oh that's good yeah but they need to put that on record they need, to, they need to put that down on tape
1: i actually think that horror there aren't many bands i would recommend this for but i think horror would actually benefit from having um outsider songwriters come in mm. um pharrell <laughs>
0: desmond child <laughs> um uh, i'll take him over pharrell to be fair
1: <laughs> well i mean it might sound obvious <sighs> might sound like an obvious thing to say, but Liam Howlett's not busy anymore. I mean, it's a bit soon, obviously, but, and I'm not suggesting that be his full-time gig or anything like that, but I would be interested in hearing a horror with Liam Mm. Howlett collaboration album at some point, for example. So, Mm. but you could get, I mean, imagine horror with like, horror with DJ Shadow would be interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Maybe not the right direction, but interesting all the mm. same. And
0: well, it's funny because for people who don't, uh, uh, who cool. haven't heard it or don't subscribe to our, our Patreon page, we recently put up, I thought we are about to put up, um, a writer's review on Uncle's science fiction, which I love. Yeah, it'll go up in a couple of weeks. Um, and we were talking about the kind of the just lack of boundaries on that. Yeah. The lack much. of musical genre boundaries. And I feel like horror have that as well. But it's a similar thing to what you said. I'm not gonna spoil the episode, but well, I kinda of just have, haven't I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying, you know, like it doesn't always work. Mm, yeah. Um mm-hmm.
1: I think I, thought, I think science fiction works better than that debut horror record as well. Oh, oh my god,
0: yeah, well yeah, I mean By I, a long way. I, I really like it. So yeah. yeah, I would say that. But yeah, they were really they were a really, really good live. Yeah, I and mean i have me never go, Oh yeah, that I've not listen to that song i don't know why I, I don't, remind, I don't yeah. remember yeah and then i went back and listened i was like that oh, doesn't sound like this.
1: yeah i've never i've never doubted them live i've always thought like I, if, if they're on a festival bill and i don't have anyone to, else to see i'll pop along but but i don't particularly like the band all that much
0: all right well i'll let them know um, <laughs> please do <laughs> i'll tell them where you live <laughs> 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 less keen on that yeah okay um Devin townsend you saw as well now this is yeah. exciting Devin townsend yeah. doing an acoustic show yeah so
1: he's doing um in a classic Devin townsend move he releases the most ambitious album of his career and then immediately follows it up by going out with just two guitars and a little pad which does some nice sort of echoey effects um so it's the most stripped down you'll ever see Devin townsend um and it is that feeling of like it's clear that he's trying to recreate or or create a connection between himself and his fans it's very much it very much feels like you're in a living room yeah. a very plush living room being the bush hall which is a very nice space and Devin's just kind of talking and chatting and improvising a little bit and sort of I mean, to give you an idea, he was playing a song at one point. I can't even remember what it was. And then he just started noodling around on the guitar, stopped, sort of went back over that thing that he just noodled a couple of times. And he was just like, "Okay, sorry, I've I've just written something. And he'd like wrote a riff on stage. He was like, maybe that will appear in something else. And then he carried on with the song and stuff like that. So it's so, so relaxed and so chilled out it almost feels it does feel a little fly on the wall in a way and devin um you know is his usual evanescent hilarious self Mm. um self-deprecating and very very funny throughout um and yeah there's lots of it's just it's just brilliant to hear so like everything that he does stripped back um so you know there are certain songs that maybe you'd expect to hear in a acoustic show from Devon Townsend, like heart baby and funeral yeah. which was fucking amazing e heart obviously it's yeah. such, a, such a fucking tune then you know but would you expect to hear an acoustic version of love by strapping young lad oh i'd like to though you would like to cuz it's bloody fucking good um and you know stuff like that um it, it was we we actually covered um ocean machine quite quite recently and there were quite a few ocean machine tracks as well he finished with a beautiful version of life which was just fucking amazing and things beyond things uh hyperdrive it's just like that it's just yeah it's just a fucking cool two and a quarter hours Mm. uh in the presence and you know and in in that two and two hours and 15 minutes he only played fourteen songs, so it kind of gives you an idea of how much he's chatting in between and stuff. Like, there's there's as much chat as there is uh, playing playing music. Um, it was just wonderful. Yeah, he's just wonderful. He's I can't great, wait for him. Yeah, he's just just a wonderful human being. I can't wait for him to come back and do his big, yeah, grr, I mean,
0: big I show. I, I mean, Empath has it's been what a month now. that Empath has been out roughly. It's a damn good album. Is and it's not lost any of its charm no at all have it have you gone back to it much oh yeah no, mate, I, just, I, yeah I, i've listened to it con- pretty yeah. much constantly since it's come out it's funny i mean a little peek. i'd really like to, sorry to cut you off but right. i i like it more and more the more i have it the more i like it it's really
1: fantastic isn't it I, we we kind of i mean when i initially received it um i had to listen to it several times over the period of four or five days mm. and found it quite exhausting to do that and then leading on the run-up to uh doing the devon townsend special that we did you know listen to it quite a bit then as well and I, I did feel that it was a fantastic album but it's it takes so much energy from you when you're listening to it because there's so much going on mm. that i was like to be honest i don't think i'll i'll probably put that away in a box for a few months now but i do keep going back to it Mate, i love it. you know it. what it
0: is i think that because it's so bright, it's yeah. actually... When you listen to... I mean, you know, for people who are listening to this and they're like, well, you listen to stuff, you listen to stuff. You, you listen to stuff when you're reviewing things. You listen to it with like an effort almost, don't you? Sometimes... You're, you have, acti- you're actively listening yeah, you kind of in terms act, of passively going, what, listening. What's going on here? What's yeah. doing that? And there's a difference between doing that and then just whacking on an album yeah, because yeah, yeah. you want to listen to it. There really is. And I have found myself in like you know i enjoyed it and I, I was aware how great it was when we reviewed it and i did go this is really good but there's a difference between that and kind of actively going oh i want to hear that song cuz i just really really love it yeah and um and that so i've gone back to it and it it fits you know it feels like a different record to me now it doesn't yeah. feel like it's that not that it doesn't feel that hard to listen to or no, no it actually doesn't it doesn't feel hard to listen to i don't think i don't, think, think, I don't hard... think i don't think it's a hard record to listen
1: to i just think there's so much going on that by the end of it you are quite yeah. exhausted yeah but no it's not difficult to listen
0: to yeah it's lovely in fact yeah it's great it's really spirits
1: good. that spirits will collide song i know i've gone on yeah. about that a bit but that's like devin uh um i can't remember if this was in the q a or the interview i did with him but he was um talking about how he's trying to reach heavy metal enya yeah and that's that is you know he was like that's probably the closest i've got to it but i haven't quite done it yet and i'm mm. like it's pretty close yeah you know it's pretty damn close and yeah. he, he wants to do a whole record of that which i would love yeah i mean epic cloud sort of is but he wants to do it like that you know so mm. yeah that'd
0: be cool yeah it's good um and um,
1: he's brilliant and he didn't but he didn't play any songs from empath as well which is quite interesting although well, having said that acoustic i mean how on earth would he do that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do that? Yeah. someone he did ask for requests and someone joked genesis which would have been interesting on an acoustic guitar um but uh, but then you know i would have never imagined he'd be able to do love on an acoustic guitar either and sounds good as well does it
0: yeah, works. I, can, I
1: can kind of imagine it. He said I mean it's Devin it's the way Devin sells it, Do you know what I mean? It's mm. the way he sells it. It's yeah, so of good. course.
0: Well, I look forward to I'm going to try and make sure that I get down to the show. You definitely he does should the full band for sure. Um okay, so there you go. So uh, that's what we've been doing this week. Um, the other thing we've been doing is listening to many records including <laughs> uh, that's start of the review section everyone. Uh, first album that we're going to review this week <laughs> comes from Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. It is the third album from the new, uh, grown-up, former Gallows frontman and his band. It's called The End of Suffering. Um, Blossom, the debut album from Frank Carter, was a killer record and came yep. kind of from nowhere when I thought, you know, after leaving Gallows and doing Pure Love, which was not all that great. I think was... a lot of
1: people had um, not forgotten he exists, but had... I mean, I think Pure Love Alone just made people go, oh, he's not doing what I like anymore, so Mm. I'm not interested in him. So it kind of wasn't a surprise release per se, but I think it surprised a lot of people as to how good it was. Yeah,
0: that's definitely true. And it was Frank going, I'm back doing punk rock again. But then almost immediately, Modern Ruin came out and did something completely different from that, really. It's got a kind of deserty indie rock vibe. Yeah, old
1: rock, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Which was a
0: bit of a curveball when you think that he kind of had a go at doing that with Pure Love in a lot. You know, being more melodic um, was something that uh, he tried to do on Pure Love. I don't think those two bands and albums sound the same. No. But it's darker
1: on Modern Ruin. Ruin. Yeah.
0: Um, which brings us to End of Suffering. Um What do you reckon, Renfrey?
1: Um, so this is I, I went to see Frank Carter um in Oxford earlier this year. Yeah, I remember you uh, reviewed at And um I think he played five of these songs live. So I kind of had a rough inkling of what direction the album was gonna go in and I knew it was gonna be more more modern ruin mm. than blossom yeah uh i really like modern ruin a lot Mm -hmm. um i find it very difficult i never even kind of i mean i have a feeling i know which way you'll go on it but i i never really compare blossom and modern ruin Mm. because they're two albums i think they came out 18 months with uh, within 18 months of one another they came out very modern ruin definitely felt like it was like oh fuck there's another one of these already yeah and i think most people would have expected probably blossom part two and that is very much not what it was blossoms a fairly simplistic yet very good hardcore record and you know modern ruins all those things that we just said alternative indie rock kind of thing Mm. this is more down i mean the there is um a lot less obvious punk on this album i think it's fair to say yeah, although he talks about how punk Rocky is quite a lot, Jerry. He it. does, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I feel like is something which has bothered old Cynic Punk, Steve, just by
0: your demeanour right um, now. Well uh, let me I mean I asked you how you felt about it and you've said that you quite liked it, but you seem to be goading me for my opinion. I'm go certainly. I'm goading you, yeah, because I know that you Okay. Well, <laughs> I think Blossom's great and I think yeah. one of the highlights of Blossom is the last track on it? I hate you. I hate you. Which is it's your anthem, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant <laughs> song, and it's you, know, you wake and, up to that in the morning. I do. I do listen to that song a lot. Brush got, your teeth honest, yeah. to it, uh, and um, yeah, look at pictures of Caroline Flack to it, and uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, I thought, you know, how good that he's written this kind of loush bluesy sort of swagger barroom kind of sing-along yeah. song it's that's blues still basically. yeah that still feels punk as fuck you know the delivery snarled and he's singing but it's curled lipped it's
1: it's delivered in such an aggressive way it's almost not singing but yeah he is singing it's it. you
0: know it's a fucking it's that two-fingered you know it's yeah. like, and it, it's and it's great and i was like oh that's cool and then Modern Ruin felt musically, it's like that last song on Blossom, that's where we're going next. Because it's much more kind of humbug era Arctic Monkeys musically, I think. There's a lot, you know, when they were doing that, um, mm. that okay. kind of stuff. And when, what's the one with Josh Homme? It's humbug that Josh Hom produced, isn't it? Arctic Monkeys, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I think there's a bit of that, that kind of like, you know, I'd like say a bit Laosh indie hard rock with a bit of deserty sort of um guitar riff vibes in it as well yeah and um and i think this is a just another continuation of that to be honest
1: i think it's a little
0: bit more than that
1: i think it's difficult to pin i almost feel like it's going to be difficult to figure out exactly what this album is in relation to the last ones until the next one comes along Maybe because the um, the shift from Blossom to Modern Ruin is certainly larger yeah, than the shift from Modern Ruin to End of Suffering. Mm. I do kind of, I mean, basically, yeah, we, we've we've had a little phone conversation before this, and and it's been revealed our kind of feelings on this record. Um, I basically, I just think this is a great modern rock record with some great songs on it, mm-hmm. and. I am very, very keen on it indeed. I like, um, you know, Frank is right up in the centre of it, as you would expect, his delivery and his style and his the sheer size of him, not physically, but just the sheer size of his voice almost just dominates all of this stuff, as you would kind of expect it to. Yeah. But he has grown certainly since the pure love days he's grown so much and become a, a you know something i would have never said about frank carter in the past i don't think is that he's a good vocalist i would have always called him a good frontman i never would have been like oh frank carter is a shit vocalist but yeah. i wouldn't have gone oh he's you know he's got an amazing uh, range or tone or, yeah. or, or 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 amazing way with a melody or anything like that um, I have to question that with this album because I think his melodies on this record are fucking great and I can't stop singing um, stuff like... There's this there's this brilliant song um, which sounds like the melodic line could have been written by James Dean Bradfield. On Supervillain. So Supervillain has this amazing chorus which is like, a, don't move, you're an imposter. And yeah. that imposter just sounds so James Dean Bradfield. And there are so many lines i mean i think i think half of the songs on this record are amongst the best the rattlesnakes have ever done
0: Mm.
1: i think they're really really i just and i just think it's a very strong modern rock album which still has some dirt behind it i don't think the dirt and the aggression is the key here i think it's an album that reflects what's happened in the last couple of years and without getting too hello magazine about it you know he's just gone through a divorce and all this kind of thing and he um uh There's obviously a lot of stuff about his
0: child who he ad- adores. Well, there's a little bit at the end of her sort yeah of voice that you heard, which is the sort of it's the end of the album, isn't it? Yeah. Much?
1: Well, the last song, last song on the album is called "End of Suffering," the title track. Mm. Um, I think it's a, I, and I think it's a, it's, it's a song which is Frank making a load of promises to his daughter, basically. Yeah. Um. And there's a line in it, which is, um, and your happiness will be the end of suffering. Mm. And there's a lot of very simple couplets like that. And some would almost say almost cliche, uh, cliche ridden couplets. But I'd be one of those people. Yeah. Okay. fair enough. I had a feeling you might be. But I Mm. think they are delivered extraordinarily well. And I think it's I mean, I found myself. I was rushing to get somewhere and I had this on headphones and end of suffering came on and midway through, I just realized I was crying. I didn't realize like I kind of touched my, um, hand to my face mm. and there were tears. And <laughs> I was like, Oh fuck. And I'd like, it had caught me off guard completely. This was like the second or third time I'd heard it. I found it really emotional and really like, I think it's a really beautiful song to sing to, someone someone you've brought into the world you know yeah and then there's a song like anxiety which is in the middle of the album and it's kind of like very much like a th- it sounds like a throwback to the 90s really but in a brilliant brilliant way you know mm. anxiety is the song that i mentioned in the review if you recall where um i was like the new song sounded good but there was one in particular which sounded fucking crushing and to i've been waiting so i've been waiting for a few months to hear the recorded version i just think it's it hasn't disappointed me at all. I think it sounds fantastic. So, um,
0: but you're not as convinced because you're looking at me. No, I'm not as convinced. I mean, I think it's, this is a good album. Yeah. It's a good album, this, um, but it's a Frank Carter album. And I think that's where my problems arise from. I think when you have a relationship with an artist for what are we talking now? 12 years, 12 13 years since, um, yeah, about that, uh, Orchestra of Wolves came out. Um, I guess I still expect a certain something from Frank Carter that, um, and that that itch didn't get scratched on this record. Mm, he hardly
1: and ever screamed on this record, yeah. There's, there's a little, there's a tiny amount, but it's 95% He's sung.
0: Basically, unrecognizable from the guy in gallows. And do you know what? That's actually. That's I think fine. that's a great thing. That's my problem, really, isn't mm, it? That's mm. my problem. Um, and <clears throat> I that's th- not I to think... say that these songs aren't good. You know, the I think, the I guess, what my problem is, is that the the best moments on this record, Angel Wings is the best song on this record, I think. Oh, yeah, great uh, song. Is I is a, don't agree it's the best song, but I it's a experience. great song. End of Suffering, again, is a great song. Yeah, um, But they're not the sort of songs that I would normally associate with Frank Carter. And I think... There are times when I listen to them and I go, "This is really good." And then I'll remember it's Frank Carter and I'll go, "How weird is Frank Carter!" And it sort of throws me off a bit. Isn't that great? I mean, that's
1: an it... artist showing. I mean, if you if you you know if Future Steve had gone to 2007 Steve and said, "You're listening to Orchestra of Wars now," but this is what he's going to do in 12 years' time. That 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 shows a
0: creative
1: uh, arc and
0: um, it does yeah of course yeah yeah it does it does it's just that um i feel like this might be a i thought maybe modern ruin would be but i feel almost more like this is sort of the stepping stone because i think modern ruin um felt like something really different whereas this and i, I don't care much for modern ruin i've got to be honest i don't Do you not? Okay. i don't I, I prefer this to modern ruin I. I do prefer this to Modern Room but I prefer Blossom to both of them I still think Blossom is you know is mm. more the sort of thing that I like yeah Um, and there's, there's moments when like Kitty Sucker Kitty Sucker's fantastic it's great and that's slinky but it's when you know when Crowbar came in mm. and I thought oh this is much more like Frank Carter that's when you get the weird thing where I go well that's more like what I want but it's not as good as what he wants and that's you know th- that's what you have to kind of reconcile with this album i think uh, if you're someone like me then yeah is. if you're a massive if you're listening to this and you're a, if you're someone who's you know who, who doesn't care about gallows and you've never read really, and you you know you're just sort of interested in frank Carter or whatever and you or, or you do you have no relationship with it at all and you're somebody who doesn't know who he is and you're like oh i wonder then i would absolutely say this is a great a great album for you to start on If you've got no context coming into this, I think you'll really, really like it because it's very, very good. I think
1: the songs are very strong, but I think
0: it will be stuff like "Crowbar" and um, uh, like "Latex Dreams," where you'll probably be like, "Oh, this isn't. These are the sort of lower points of the of the record." Mm. You know what I mean? I think when he when he goes for the kind of the more punk rock,
2: Mm.
0: and he talks about punk rock quite a lot, but then also. On, I love Angel Wings, but it does feel like... When you said it, kind of cliched rhyming couplets, I think there's a, a, a slight level of over-earnestness that I just feel doesn't really totally sit that easily with me.
1: So there's a line, there's a line on Angel Wings, which is... Uh, to climb that gentle ladder to the sky and fall back down on Angel Wings on feathers made of diamond
0: rings. Yes. Yeah. Mm, and I was just a bit... That doesn't sound like Frank Carter. So I think a lot of this is is me like trying to work out how I recalibrate my feelings towards Frank Carter. Mm. Because on one hand, I think you should probably give up songs like Crowbar because he almost doesn't sound like that guy anymore. I will
1: say Crowbar is my least favourite song on the record. Yeah. And it was the debut single. It's the most straight a to b song mm-hmm. he played it twice at the bullingdon um and i didn't think it needed to be placed played twice then and i don't think it needs to be played twice at any of his other shows right. um it's yeah it's 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 a fairly it feels like that that's it's a fairly standard song from a band who it's difficult to figure out what a standard song is for them mm because if you i mean if you put blossom modern ruin and this on shuffle it would sound quite mixtapey
0: oh yeah really would um i mean you know blossom is like that's an angry yeah. heavy record yeah yeah and it's only i hate you which is still angry you know that punk rock snarl even within yeah. a more laid back musical framework yeah yeah is still very very angry
1: well i hate you is the least sonically heavy song on yeah, the yeah. album, which yeah. is ridiculous really
0: and then you've got modern room which i think is uh, do you know what i haven't even really listened to it very much over the, over the years and i think i will listen to end of suffering you know i listen to modern room and i remember being like oh yeah it's cool that he's doing it because it was sort of surprising it's a bit arctic monkeys and it's uh, a bit more sort of um you know, indie sounding, but there's, you know, like Lullaby is a good song. There's some, there's some some good songs in it. I think there's some better songs on this record, but it's just very different. I still think that maybe Frank is going through something um, where he hasn't, I I still, I still reckon he can, a song like Angel Wings, I reckon come the next album, he'll be able to nail something like that. So I think Mm. my thing is not that I think this is a bad record. I think it's a continued transition of a record. I think if he can get... As, he needs to probably get as far away from Blossom as he possibly can. Well, yeah. And I think this is another step away from it. Mm. And it's a better step away from it. But I still don't think this is the finished article.
1: I think you might be right. Um, and history may well prove Modern Ruin to be the trans... Uh, transgressional album? Mm-hmm. That'll do. Um, but I just, I just... I mean... I find it very difficult to compare this album to Blossom, but comparing it to Modern Ruin, I would say that I definitely prefer this to Modern Ruin. I think this is definitely
0: better than Modern Ruin.
1: It sounds more cohesive and it sounds... This is the thing. I just said that if you bundled all three Frank Hart and Ralph Snakes albums together and played them on random, it'd sound like a mixtape. But each album individually sounds cohesive, I feel. Um, And this one, you know it does feel like a really good collection of songs. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think, I think these are really, I think, I think the songwriting is, is really high. I mean, I mean the difference with pure love and modern ruin or this is the songwriting wasn't that good in pure love. And it is now. It's just, it's almost an extension of what he was doing with
0: pure love, but it's just a lot better. A lot better. I think it's a lot better. And I think, don't get me wrong. This album's very good. It's just... It's a confusing... uh, For me, it's confusing. And I do still miss a bit of like... It feels a shame that there is no... You know, like, I understand people are going to grow up and they move on and they change as artists and stuff. But when you're that good at being Frank Carter, as Frank Carter is, Uh, it feels a shame to kind of lose him completely. But I almost feel like maybe he does need to lose that completely. I
1: mean, I'm going you know slightly on memory and obviously when i first heard these songs they hadn't i hadn't uh when i saw these songs live i hadn't heard them but i would say they sound they they sound more aggressive live certainly and they might make more sense in a live context with his earlier stuff um the blossom material undoubtedly sounded the heaviest live Mm. um but these songs still sound really big, really, really big. And, you know, I guess, I mean, Frank Carter, at the end of the Modern Ruin cycle, played Brixton Academy. He did. And if he's able to play those big... I can see Juggernaut working fucking anywhere, pretty mm. much. But not all of the songs on Blossom, I think, would work at Brixton Academy.
0: No, I don't... I mean, well, all the songs they played did. I think when you listen to, like, you know devil inside of me that's gonna always gonna work i, like, I hate you that was, it will work in most mm. size venues
1: maybe maybe
0: i frank's wasn't thanks worked really well as well okay you were there were you yeah okay i wasn't there so i can't yeah really. i mean the sound was like a uh, fucking travesty to be honest but um that's not his fault and that's not no. the band's fault mm. i also want to shout out um dean richardson who used to be in heights the guitar mm-hmm. player who has become frank's kind of right hand man and it feels like he is the musical driving force behind Mm. um, these songs. And he's developed into a very, very interesting and dexterous guitar player. He's fantastic. He's brilliant,
1: Dean. Mm. I think um, I was quite interested to see that there had been a couple of promo picks released with just the two of them. Yeah, And I was, I kind of assumed from that that maybe the original bassist and drummer had left and been they changed basis didn't they they changed basis right at the beginning but
0: no they changed basis after the first
1: are you right tour, is that right I okay think. but but yeah it it basically isn't a change in personnel from modern ruin so i've i found that a little odd but then i suppose i mean i think it's always been frank and dean's mm. band it feels to me
0: well they write that they sit down and write the songs together right yeah. Okay. so it makes sense um, but overall like I said this is a good album I think uh, there's going to be a better one though I think mm. there's going to be a better one and also if you're one of those people who cannot get you know London is the reason Orchestra of Wolves fucking misery Frank Carter out of your head who, 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 who if, if you're someone like me who was so fucking in love with those first two gallows albums that you struggle that you desperately as good as everything is you want that that's the only thing that i would say go into this with a bit of caution actually, matt uh, matt stocks uh text me before i'd heard this and he was like oh it's a bit wet in the frank carter album it's a bit wet this because i think he's like me he's probably like the kind of early gallo stuff. he's like that's a bit wet that and I didn't see it straight away, but he texts me two hours later, and he's like, oh, "I take it back. It's great." <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I think it is one of those things where you have to be willing to kind of recalibrate. If you are a long time hmm. listener, you have to be willing to recalibrate w- what Frank is, and that's not always easy. But putting, the- I don't find, I don't, I personally haven't found it that easy. But putting
1: the shoe on the other foot, there's a lot of people who just looked at Gallows and saw a angry young ginger man shouting and inciting pits and violence Mm -hmm. and um couldn't see anything in the music at all yeah i don't care about those people (laughs) but i'm saying that those people like like if, if you never got gallows you shouldn't dismiss this record or, oh, no, or modern ruin. All. I would say I no. would, you might, you may well love this record, mm. even if you hated everything that Gallows did. Mm. And I think I just think that shows growth in an artist. And yeah, I, re- yeah. I, I love the fact that Frank Carter, um, constantly surprises me. Yeah, um, is cool. and to be honest with you, I mean, I pro- I pretty much. Pure love is probably the only thing that Frank has done that I'm kind of meh about. I've I've pretty much loved everything else he's put his name to, more or less. Yeah. And I think he's I just love the way that he's going into this really multifaceted artist. But at the same time, he's not doing it so quickly that he makes a right hash of it. I don't yeah. I don't think I don't think either of the Rattlesnakes albums, I don't think e- anyone could accuse them of being a total cock up or anything like that um i will say this about this album i uh this week i was i thought fucking hell we're a quarter of the way through the year no fucking a third of the way through the year Mm -hmm. um and i started kind of incredibly roughly just making a list of all the albums i've heard this year and very roughly very roughly ordering them to to kind of you know for our big album of the year extravaganza towards the end of the year, we have got
0: to do the album of the decade. As well. I know, We're mate. To I that. know, Fuck. mate. Yeah, that's no fun.
1: Um, and whilst this is a you know very, very early days, I was stunned at how high this album was in mm. that list. Um, basically, it was top five. Um, so In Flames. <laughs> uh, mark morton yeah 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 okay and this uh but this is a lot better than in flames and mark morton um i i and the teal (laughs) album. well i was like oh where am i gonna put the teal album? number one obviously um oh nothing okay uh um i can have it in number one if you want i i i think this i really think this is a great album and i'd be curious to see if it grows on you or if you just kind of
0: I think it's more likely to grow on me than Modern Ruin did, to be honest. Mm. Mm.
1: Do you think these songs could or will, I don't know if they have yet, appear on daytime radio?
0: Yeah, I think they could. Yeah. Why Butterfly Can't Have a Spider? I mean, that definitely could. Uh, We should say Tyrant Lizard King's got Tom Morello on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's called Tyrant Lizard King, so I think it's going to struggle to get on radio. But yeah, there's a few on here that I think you know like angel angel wings for me Mm. uh, i think i mean we're going to talk about something later on which is short and uh it's four minutes 13 i don't know if that works on radio anymore i mean i thought i knew i thought i knew the game run through but it's game done (laughs) changed on it so i don't know we'll have to see we'll have to see yeah 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 but i wouldn't be surprised i mean i'd love to see that though yeah me too
1: i'd love to see angel wings on daytime bbc radio one do you know what i mean and like you know, he did Glastonbury a couple of years ago and stuff like this. I, I mean, if we're going to have a representative for punk rock in the mainstream, I'm very happy with it being Frank Carter. Yeah, me too.
0: That is definitely true. So anyway, there it is. End of Suffering, the album's called. It's by Frank Carter und the Rattlesnakes. Uh, that's and the Rattlesnakes to you. Um, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> it's out right now. My brain was scrambling. I wasn't yeah, sure. And it's out right now. So let's move on to our next record. It comes from The Wild Hearts. <laughs> the album is called Renaissance Men. It is the first Wild Hearts album in 10 years. It is their ninth studio album. It is the first Wild Hearts studio album to feature the quote unquote classic lineup of Danny McCormack, CJ, Rich Battersby, and Ginger. The first since Fishing for Luckies, which obviously was mostly just a lot of leftover material from the uh, 1995 album Fuck. Um, but yeah, this is the first Wild Hearts album in a long time. We've not really spoken. Well, I don't think we've ever spoken on this podcast about the Wild Hearts. I don't think they've even ever been mentioned between you. And I know you and I have spoken about them mm. a little bit away from the Did mic. I
1: review them on the Terrorvision tour? Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Don't
0: know if you did, no. No. Okay. Yeah. Wild Hearts. But, They're but good. the Wild Hearts, mm. Renfri, mm. are a good band.
1: Yes. The Wild Hearts are a very good band. they are, I kind of, they, they have a, the people who like Wild Hearts, fucking love them. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a, a small but very dedicated fan base for incredibly the wild dedicated arts. incredibly
0: fan dedicated and an incredibly correct fan base and, and the
1: wild hearts i think that dedication pays dividends because they kind of like for starters a lot of their best songs are b-sides <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um and there's such a wealth of material um There's some brilliant, brilliant expanded editions of um, Earth vs. The Wild Hearts and Fuck um, that both contain a a whole extra disc Mm. full of songs and they're almost as good as the respective albums. It's ridiculous. I mean, Ginger just writes so much stuff in so many different genres genres, and styles styles and guises. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Differently different tones, different guitar sounds, different vocal styles. Yeah. Like he is a man with a genuine gift for creating music. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? If you're someone listening to our podcast and you're young, I, mean, I don't know what you're getting out of it, to be honest. Cause, but, um... <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, I- I've spoken about the kind of the classic rock style And how, you know, a lot of the bands, like we mentioned, Greta Van Fleet and Rival Sons and stuff like that earlier, Uh that kind of um, Led Zeppelin aping um, classic rock always feels, or I say how lifeless it feels, how dull it feels. And it feels like, you know, when I see a lot of the bands that are on the main stage at Download, and I'm just like, oh, God, you're just boring. You're going to kind of strut around looking really old and tired and fat and stuff. Now, for all intents and purposes... The Wild Hearts really are uh, have were one of the last sort of big classic rock bands, you know, before coming out as grunge was big and not kind of looking alternative, looking alternative, but looking like a punk rock kind of old school greasy biker gang. You know, mm-hmm. that's what the Wild Hearts look mm-hmm. like. They're definitely they, a gang. They yeah, they like they owe more to you know they didn't owe like people they weren't copying Alice and Chains and sound guys. No, they were not. copying rose tattoo and acdc and the ramones and johnny thunders and stuff like that oh. you know um ginger always said can we do metallica riffs cross with abba melodies mm. you know classic rock and roll classic heavy metal classic pop music is what the wild hearts are meant to be when you write everything that the wild hearts are and that they represent down on a piece of paper you would think at this point dated tired a bit old maybe um but yet the reality of this record i I mean it does sound like weirdly i guess genuinely classic sounding classic rock never really goes out of fashion because if you are someone who has just got the ability to write unbelievably massive songs I mean this is so out of step with what is cool in the world at the moment this record oh yeah but it's also so vibrant and so exciting and so gloriously euphoric I kind of wondered how I was going to feel about this record and I feel so stupid now. Because mm. I think it is fucking outrageously brilliant. Yeah.
1: All of the all of the signs are against it, aren't they? Really? Yeah. It's been ten years since the last record. Nine album in nine albums in is not a yeah. particularly exciting number. Um when did the Wild Hearts form like early nineties? What late eighties? Was it late eighties? Yeah. Okay. By all rights, this record should be a stinker. Yeah. Um it's really not, by the way, um, if you haven't gathered that already. Uh, have Wild Hearts written a stinker? I mean... Uh,
0: people pretty, would go endless nameless. People would say endless nameless, wouldn't they? Yeah, silly people. I think it's a, It's not a stinker, it's a fucking... It's a weird, weird record, yeah.
1: I, I, w- I wouldn't go as far as say it's a stinker, but it's not one I listen to very often. Mm. Um, but um, this sounds... Yeah, this sounds more charged... I think charged is yeah. the word. Mm-hmm. Then so many uh new bands doing this or new bands trying to um ape a retro style. It's interesting you saying classic rock so often because um I've never really thought of the Wild Hearts as a classic rock band. I suppose I've thought of them as like aping cheap trick. Mm-hmm. And definitely that thing that you said about mixing ABBA, Abba melodies and Metallica guitar riffs, absolutely 100%. Mm-hmm. But because they never really settle in, well, they do. They're a very, they, they are a surprisingly difficult band to describe. Oh, I think. really,
0: really, really difficult to describe. Yeah. Um, really difficult, you know, kind of unpigeonholable. But ultimately, at this point, I mean, particularly at this point in 2019, you have to call them a classic rock band. Well, I suppose because... you're right. Yeah, yeah that one they are a classic band and they're definitely a rock band yeah um and two like you know like you just mentioned you mentioned cheap trick you mentioned metallica yeah well, that's what you mentioned like that is you know they're not they're not trying to sound like bring me the horizon are they no 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 no, no you know they're not trying not. to sound like scar lord there <laughs> there's just i mean there's a song on here i mean. i'm, I'm I think this record's brilliant. I, I mean, I've already said it. I think this is brilliant. This is far better than it has any right to be. And I'm kind of surprised at how good it is, but then I'm kind of not surprised at how good it is because mm, I don't I kind really, of feel the same, yeah. because i I, why would Ginger allow music that's not great to be released? Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, you get, like you say, an album that's got everything against it, the ninth album from a band who haven't done an album in 10 years, and it's the yeah. first time that the, the quote-unquote classic line has got together since the fucking you know, mid nineties and you think, well, it's probably gonna be all right. Yeah. But actually it's brilliant. There's it's a, it's much better than it has
1: any right to be.
0: Yeah. Basically. There's there's a few like um uh there's a song like there's a song called <laughs> My Side of the Bed which has got some very odd um sort of political political idea, like kind of PC kind of this feels like a kind of anti PC yeah like um thing going yeah, on yeah it's still a really good song it's just you know it's uh at some points of it you go eh, i don't know if i agree with that but yeah yeah but you know i mean the opening uh, the opening to it is great. dislocated dislocated it, it, is fucking, fucking amazing amazing and then let them go is great and just is so fucking this just this day glow bomb of like positivity if we
1: can just pop back to dislocated for yeah, just because so that's almost six minutes long and it's kind of an epic Wild Hearts track in that it goes to so many different places. There are points it's
0: four choruses on oh, it. Oh
1: my god, it's ridiculous. And like there's a point where it sounds like Jane's Addiction, there's a mm. point where it sounds like where Ginger's really low and snarled and grungy. Mm. Like there's so much going on in that song. I think if you want to listen to one song to kind of understand what the Wild Hearts do, dislocated is probably not a bad one. I also personally think it's the best song on this record. Okay. Personally. I don't think that at all. That's I fine.
0: think the best, possibly the best song the Wild Arts have ever written is on this record and it's called Diagnosis. Oh, uh, okay. Diagnosis is phenomenal. Yeah. I think yeah. that is. And I'll I tell you for why, because for what, for one, right. It comes in like diagnosis to me is, you know, when there's a bit in a song that makes you go, ah, like, just the first sort of, that bit where he goes, and shoot the thrill by AC/DC. I bet every time um, the whistle blows in um, Paradise City by Guns mm. N' Roses, you go, mm-hmm. you know that feeling? Yep. And that is diagnosis all the way through. I was listening to, and funny enough, I went to the gym today. I was doing a bit of, I was on the old exercise bike. Which I'm miming for M3 right now. That's very good, thank you. Uh, I was on the exercise bike and I was listening to the Frank Carter album and I was sort of pedaling along, peddling along, and then I was like, right, I'm going to do five more minutes. And I put on Diagnosis and I, I went twice as fast. Whoa. Just from listening to that, and it was, and it sounds like, it sounds like ACDC, it sounds like the Ramones, it sounds like, just the most glorious, fucking fist thumping, life-affirming rock song ever it's and mm-hmm. the most important thing about it is like you know a lot of this is typical kind of wild arts like snarly fuck you there's been a lot said and i think most people who are fans will know about the sort of mental health problems that ginger has been been through this song is about you know you are not your diagnosis um you're not that prescription in your hand. Yep. It's a song... You're not an animal. Yeah. You're a human being. Yeah, and it is It is so fucking heartfelt. It feels yeah. so yeah. real. And it oh, feels God, like yeah. you know exactly where that has been written from. And you could never for a second doubt the um, the kind of the message or the reason for writing this song. And I think, you know, like that that kind of authenticity is what mm-hmm. is so fucking brilliant about the Wild Hearts. Mm-hmm. And that song makes me... Like glad to be alive. Mm-hmm. That song. I think it's a really not only is it a really really brilliant song, it's a really important song. And a, and a, and, it, and it's one of those songs that if if anyone ever said to me like oh, I feel real shit about myself, I would say put that song on. Mm-hmm. And I think you you will be you, you. It's one of those I don't feel alone songs. Yeah,
1: yeah, very you know much I mean? so.
0: It's a fucking great, great, great song. It's possibly. I wouldn't say it's to say it's the best on the arts have ever done. Feels like maybe I'm giving it a bit too much like of the wow, Mm. but I think it is an absolutely staggeringly brilliant song. I think a band, you know, thirty years into the career, have no right to write. No, no, no,
1: absolutely. I think it's a wonderful song. Um, It's a big fuck you to bad mental health, basically. And it's been no secret; Ginger's been quite open about um what a tough time he's had with mental health issues i think there's a general perception that it's as bad if not worse than it's ever been for him so to write this song and i imagine this will become a massive anthem live i certainly i don't know if i'd go as far as to say it's the best song they've ever written but i would certainly be very upset if a it didn't find itself in the live show i'm sure it will and B actually if it just didn't stay it sh- i think it should stay in the uh, you know until they stop playing basically mm. i could um and i could say that of a few songs on this record and there aren't many ninth albums yeah by bands where i mean what was death magnetic the ninth metallica album Yeah, something like that. Yeah. i mean i'd quite i wouldn't mind um day that never comes staying but the rest can go mm. you know like there's, and there's a few songs on this. I think Let Him Go, you started yeah. talking about. It's like has a Dropkick Murphys or Floggy it Molly does, kind yeah. of feel. Relations so Frank Men. Turner on that song. Oh, is it? Frank Turner, uh, yeah, he does kind of like a bridge section and then the last
0: chorus. Oh, I didn't realise yeah, Frank okay. Turner doing... The, I think you know, the title track is fucking great yep. as well and that could that's got a weird little nod to um tequila by teravision as well yes
1: it? <laughs> yeah there's a couple of Television. I, I don't know if this is strictly a Terravision nod or not but um there's a another great song in it called little flower yeah which comes in the verse uh riff it sounds very similar to discotheque wreck by uh not a bad thing not accusing the wild hearts of ripping them off or anything like that mm. It just reminded me of Discotech rec, which is, yeah, a very good thing, frankly. Yeah,
0: very, very good.
1: Um, I, I don't like every song on this record, um, but the ones that I don't like, t- I, I'm just kind of like, that song's okay. As
0: opposed What's to the brilliant. ones that you don't like? My Kind of Movie just doesn't do all that much for me. I mean, that comes after Diagnosis. I think it's fucking tough to follow that song. Could be. I mean, it's so fucking brilliant. I mean, again, Diagnosis, it should only be played in stadiums, and My Kind of Movie feels like it could work in a... You know Is it happy enough In a club or whatever Yeah It's a bit more yeah, faster Yeah And you, you, It's a you decent men- song It's it, 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 My Side of the Bed Is the weak My Side of the Bed Is the weak moment Yeah I
1: think But even those two songs I don't think either are bad no. I just think This is chock full of Fantastic songs And then there's a couple Of good ones on there as well Yeah um, Pilo Erection Actually we should mention mm-hmm. A because it's got a great name And B just because It's a great song Yeah um, which closes the record. Which closes the record. No idea what it's about. Don't know why it's called Pilot Erection. <laughs> Me neither. Just great. wanted to say Pilot Erection. Really <laughs> You've
0: done it. It's very good. Yeah, that's great. I mean, again, pile you erection. know, uh, it is a like you say. I don't know why I'm surprised because I'm surprised it's as good as it is.
1: Yeah, I kind of expected, like, when the Wild Hearts and, uh, initially reformed. If you don't know the history of this band, it's fucking crazy the amount of times they've split up and reformed and split up and reformed. But when they initially reformed and did the Wild Hearts Must Be Destroyed, which is a decent record. Yeah. I was expecting a record of that quality. And I think this is co- definitely higher.
2: Considerably better, yeah.
1: Um It's ve- it's it's incredibly good. You were saying that you've seen some reviews cite it as the best Wild Hearts record.
0: Metal Hammer. Um mm they said this is the best Wild Hearts album. Do you agree with that? No, I don't think it's the best Wild Hearts yeah. album. You know, I think those first two are still... It's the best thing they've done since the first two, I think. It may well be, actually. Yeah. And that is some fucking bar. Yeah
1: i really like i think the self-titled is really underrated i think that's a great record yes,
0: it's a good record yeah uh, well that, yeah no that is a good record Hotspur is very,
1: yeah. very very good
0: Hotspur's, yeah it's good as well it's it's
1: hard i mean the quality has been very high throughout mm. i mean you know i just mentioned the wild hearts must be destroyed which is probably one of their weaker records it's a great album yeah it's really
0: good i mean it's got some fucking great songs yeah
1: vanilla radio yeah. and nexus icon and yeah so, yeah, I, th- I think it's a fantastic album. I think you like it more than I do, but I still think it's very fucking good.
0: Yeah, I just, like... It, it's. They're hard to review records like this. I mean, yeah. in actual fact, like, g- 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 having last week, it feels like the Damn Things record has not been received that well, which I think is mental, oh. because I think it's fucking great. But yeah. on reflection, you know, if it was this or the Damn th- You know, I really like the Damn Things record, but fuck me, if it's this or the Damn Things record, I mean, I think this... Ooh. Eats the damn things for breakfast. This record, it is way, but it's you know an even bigger step up, and that you know I, I really like that record. I like that record a lot. But this has got just, again, I said it last week. Anything to do with, if you're a fan of anything kind of rock, I just can't understand why you wouldn't wouldn't lines. get excited yeah. by this. And that's weird. So, you know, a band who have been around for thirty years. Yeah, it's mental.
1: I. I don't know if I prefer it to the damn things. That's a tough one. But the fact that you've made me even think about it and I'm unsure and I really liked that damn things record last week. You know, says it all, really. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a tough one. Mm. I think I probably would go with the damn things just to annoy you a bit. Okay, that's fine. It's not annoying mm. me. You're an idiot. I will. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, anyway, that's Renaissance Men by The Wild Heart. It is out right now. Okay. Um... Next album is from the Physics House Band. It is the Death Sequence EP. It's an EP? Is it an EP? Yeah, Four-track yeah. um, release. I guess it's an EP. I, I, I'm guessing it's an EP, mm-hmm. yeah. With a third release, let's say, from yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Brighton-based instrumental New Jazzists.
1: Oh, fair. New is Jazz. That, yeah? Is that what you call them? <sighs> I don't think it's incorrect. Okay. Um, I think... The Physics House Band have lots of psyche, psychedelic stuff in them. I think they have a lot of prog in them. Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of, definitely a lot of jazz. Um, the lazy way to describe the Physics House Band, and it is a lazy way, but it yeah. will help you to understand where we're coming from with this band, is probably an instrumental Mars Volta, yep. particularly the early Mars Volta. In fact, this is the band who I mentioned as an instrumental Mars Volta a few weeks ago i said this release was coming up you did i also i saw this band at complexity fest uh-huh. um and if you recall back then i was um off your nuts i might have been on some sort of substance or something i can't i can't yeah. recall really yeah. uh, legal there it's fine um and this was the band that i was sort of uh clasping up against the window whilst they were playing because their jams were so damn good it was vibing with my vibe space and i had to be by the window it was quite strange
0: do you recall that? I do recall that. You were looking me blankly. That you did. That's why I was. Sort of it. Um, it,
1: it was very good. I believe yeah. they were playing this at the time as well. Right, okay. I would so, say, Death Sequencing compared, compared to their previous material, th- this feels like let's just release a 16 minute EP where we are going crazy throughout, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it's
0: what I want Shining, the Black Jazz band, ah, to sound like. it's what I want Shining to sound like. I mean, interesting. Interesting. Like sh- sort of.
1: I, w- I I mean bands. I mean Physics House band do not have the black metal thing going. No, for but them, it's still but it's wild, still it? wild. Wa- it's yeah. I, I I would say, yeah. I probably prefer this to anything Shining have done. Yeah, me too. I think it's mm. fucking awesome. Um, I know about this band though. What do you think of it? I as, think it's brilliant. I mean, yeah.
0: I am sort of legally obliged to like it because it features Stuart Lee. It does feature Stuart and Lee. Yes. When um i saw that it said featuring stuart lee i thought well they've done what tool have done with bill hicks and they've just taken a sample of stuart lee no and that but that is actual stuart lee
1: stuart lee came down to the do you know the story behind stuart lee in this band no so they released their first ep first release uh it's called horizons rapture came out oh god 2012 2013 quite a while ago and i believe and that ep came out and then um stuart lee had a column in the guardian and he just mentioned it in his column and you know gave it like basically just said it was absolutely amazing and he loved it um so they've always kind of had a fan in stuart lee and it's always been a bit of a running joke i suppose um they for their second release mercury fountain which is also fucking incredible they got stuart lee to write the press release uh, oh, wow. which is quite funny so there's always been like a Stuart Lee connection and I think this time around they were just like shall we just ask him to be on the record mm. and yeah he came down to the studios in talking uh, about Brighton. being the
0: black sheep of the family on the stage of the Hackney Empire yeah, yeah it's a really <laughs> weird like the first time I listened to it I didn't notice it was Stuart Lee and then I was like this is some weird rambling going on in the background and then when I looked at the, the actual titles and stuff I was like oh featuring Stuart Lee and I was like oh yeah featuring Stuart Lee yeah. and and that's when the sort of penny properly dropped. Mm-hmm. Um which is great, but I think obviously musically we should talk about the fact that it is just this fucking f- total progressive jazz f- liquid funk freak out with loads of horns, squalling horns, t- lots of cymbals, lots of hi-hat yeah. and cymbal shit. The, d- the drumming. Yeah, it's fucking unbelievable. Oh, I yeah. like
1: David is just such a fucking phenomenal drummer. It's re- ridiculous like the stuff that he's doing and i would say i'd who's the it's john theodore on those first two records isn't it yeah i mean i would say the equal of john theodore like just the incredible shit that Mm. he is doing i mean
0: it is incredible and it you know again it's and it's the third week running i mean i don't really know if i would even consider this to be like a post-rock band really is it a post-rock band yeah uh, i mean i get it you know, it's the third instrumental band that we've done out of three weeks running and every week I've gone, you know, that thing that you think an instrumental sort of progressively minded post-rock, whatever you want to call it, you know, jazz inspired band is Hmm. is not necessarily what you're getting with this. No. I think you had like a kind of a fun one with Memory of Elephants. Mm -hmm. You had um, uh, quite a heavy and aggressive one Mm -hmm. with um, Lost in the Riots. And you've got just a... Bloody crazy one, yeah. This week,
1: well, this is the thing. I think, um, I mean, it hasn't been the 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 main goal of Right Act, but something that I've wanted to do is kind of show that what people call post rock is a multitude of things. Mm. I don't think it's accurate to describe Physics House Band as post rock, but undoubtedly, all the time they are lumped in with that scene purely because they're instrumental. Yeah. Um, and you know like they play arctangent they they've practiced their arctangent's house band practically mm-hmm. they've they've played the festival um most years and i think they're playing this year as well um but yeah so they're definitely an Arctangent-y band i would say but but post rock uh not really um and this is by far the most energetic um kinetic thing that they've ever done uh i would say especially over a full release um but you know it's amazing to think that they i mean they were a trio before this album um this album they've they are technically a quartet um but it's just drums bass uh guitars and and lots of weird effects i mean they're they're one of these bands that each member is doing several playing several different things at once basically and they also now have a saxophonist in who, great. who is brilliant who He's just
0: obviously having a fucking mad 10 minutes on oh he record. just
1: whittles the fuck out of everything but it sounds brilliant yeah. like it's it's so good
0: yeah i rate this and it's again you know what you said at the start 16 minutes it means it never gets too like nope. too much no nope. because it's pretty full on this isn't it yeah yeah pretty pretty throughout There's not a lot of like i would just give you a second to yeah like yeah yeah
1: yeah and it feels it's very. Really. It feels it's just Stuart Lee and then end. Yeah, yeah. it feels very much like. I mean, to be from. I feel like if they could have, they probably would have released it as one song. um It's yeah. it, for me. It, it feels, feels like, like one song. Yeah, it's one song split up into four parts. And I don't know if this is how it's going to come out on the actual record, but the version they sent us. It's just called Death Sequence One, Death Sequence Two, Death Sequence Three, and then Track Four, which mm. is a bit weird.
0: Um, but, um, but that's a, not even two minutes long, is it? No, but
1: that's fucking great. That last track
0: um, almost. I can't like... even tell what track because I just put it on my headphones and put my phone in my pocket yeah. and listen to it. I don't know what. I don't know where one it. Like, I couldn't even tell you where track three no, starts exactly. and track two ends and track three ends and track four yeah. starts. I don't know because yeah. it does just feel like one piece of music. They
1: all roll into one. They they've been doing their last album, Mercury Fountain, was like that as well. But Mercury Fountain was like half an hour. Yeah. So um but um yeah, it's just another another brilliant release from the Physics House band. They are they are a brilliant band and they take a, a long time between releases generally mm. and you can kind of see the quality um seep through the fact that they're not just releasing things you know i mean they've been a band since yeah 2012 i think you said and this is only the third thing they've released yeah um they're, they're an amazing band if you're put off by terms like jazz and like um crazy crazy saxophone and shit like this that we've been talking about i think it's still worth giving this record a go at the end of the day like we've said several times it's 16 minutes long yes yeah, um it's not going um, to take an awful lot of i mean you know you, you'll know if you, you like it or not within the first couple of minutes yeah um but yeah i i love this band i just think they're absolutely phenomenal another brilliant brightonian band
0: yeah very good very very good indeed so anyway that's death sequence by the physics house band i'm going to break from the music for a second Renfrey. Mm-hmm. no one will care about this but i was just checking my phone then you might have noticed i did um every time we record the podcast my football t- my football team need to win tonight Pompey my Portsmouth football club need to win tonight to see if they're going to get promoted they yeah. they're 2-0 they're down and every time we record when they're playing we lose every single time we've ever recorded a podcast and when they're playing on the midweek we've lost so i nearly moved the podcast so that we didn't have to and, <laughs> and i feel i'm very i'm actually i'm very, very, very angry that we're 2-0 down after 20 minutes. Okay. I'm probably going to kick someone's fucking head in later. Right, Just myself. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave immediately after we've recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you fucking morons. If you're listening to this, any players you play for Pompey, you utter, utter, utter fucking morons. I hope you're fucking... Bus crashes on the way home and you die. Um, let's do our last album before we move on. I'll wow, this... encourage them to listen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think footballs have really bad taste in music. <laughs> um, you fucking pricks. Uh, anyway, Marissa Nadler and Stephen Brodsky Ugh. did an album together. Uh, it's called Drone Flower. <laughs> They're not fucking bottling cunts like my lot are. <laughs> Why are you doing it against Peterborough? There's no reason to lose. Um, uh, so, this does
1: uh, not feel like an appropriate way to go into this album.
0: No, it's not. You're <laughs> right. Um, I'll just chill out. Uh, so um, Marissa Nadler and Stephen Brodsky, two um, Boston, Massachusetts, Massachusetts uh, natives. Yes. Um, obviously Stephen Brodsky uh, of Mutoid Man, Caven, various other things. Um, and Marissa Nadler, who I'm less familiar with, but is a solo artist and i mean artist and she's a kind of visual artist as well as a yep. um as a musician yep um, i saw
1: her at uh roadburn um i've g- neglected to mention i think you were so upset about not seeing cave and i neg- neglected to mention that Stephen broski actually came out during her set
0: that's fine um but yes uh she's <laughs> kind of uh, this is <laughs> a really great when i'm in a very very <laughs> bad mood you brought that up
1: uh oh what was I gonna say? Oh yes, she's kind of like uh well, this whole this thing that we talk about all the time. Death Gospel. It's death been Gospel. They they run is,
0: with that. Yeah, that is what they're calling it now. That's what death Gospel. It. And we can kick against it as much as we want, but that's what they're calling it. Death, it's not Death Gospel. That's not correct, is it? Well, you know, is oh, I can try to think of other I mean, there's lots of genre names that aren't correct it's predominantly the gospel it's, bit yeah it's de- like death metal core at this point where's the you know i say mm. it all the time where's the core there's hardly any metal mm. at this point so you know we can get all grumpy about it but that's what they're calling it death yeah. gospel
1: so um yeah so we're talking about um your uh Ebert ruth rundles your louise lemons your a, a. williams your uh Anna von housewolves yeah um chelsea wolf chelsea wolf stuff that we champion all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, marissa nadler has never been my favorite of that lot but i've always thought that she's pretty good Mm -hmm. um this is a wicked collaboration i was really pleased when i heard this was coming because i thought oh that's two people from slightly different worlds Mm -hmm. coming together and you know sometimes you get a lot of collaboration albums which you get really excited about and you're like oh brilliant if that does genuinely sound like um deftones meets isis yeah that palms record is going to be fucking incredible and then you get it and because both bands are seeking this side project to do something different from their uh day job it ends up not really sounding like deftones meets isis but still sounding really fucking cool i love that palms record but you know it's good yeah um this does to me sound like solo marissa nadler Mixed with solo Stephen Brodsky. I don't know if you've heard any of Stephen
0: Brodsky's solo records. Um, I d- no. no I very don't good. I have. I oh, know that's not churchy. I have. A, yeah, I heard one. One that. Oh, I fucking he had a kind of multicolored cover. I can't remember what it's called. But I did hear one. Is it yellow? Predominantly.
1: Yeah. That's the yellow one. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stephen Brodsky's solo stuff, obviously, very different. It's in but um, it's. Oh, man, how do you describe it? It's almost like a Mina Frusciante. Uh mm. Mina, like, you know, John Frusciante's solo work. I'm not sure how you feel about Frusciante's solo I'm work. I've not
0: really listened to very much of it.
1: Uh, uh, when it's good, it's very good. There's a lot of it, which is not a very good thing. Um, but this this did sound like I kind of imagined it to sound. I think the key word really actually is drone flower. I believe yes. they wanted to call this collaboration drone flower um and then it was just decided that it would probably be best if their names were on there somewhere um but drone would have been a perfect name for not just this album but the band as well mm. um steve broski uh supplies some very interesting generally acoustical drones
0: yeah, I actually, I mean, I, I, I like this, but I, I, if I had one criticism is that I didn't feel so much like I recognised, it wasn't the Steve Brodsky that I recognised. Yeah,
1: fair enough, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's not cave Steve Brodsky certainly not mute <laughs> Steve Brodsky, Steve
0: Brodsky no. but he's got you know in both those bands he has a very kind of unique um, and very distinctive guitar tone and a definitely. guitar sound and you don't necessarily get that on that what you do get the only thing that I think where you can tell it's Stephen Brodsky is the fact that he really does um, he, he really does have an ingenious way of going up and down the fretboard I,
1: I mean yeah th- this is almost I find Steve Brodsky's cave in sound really difficult to describe, but it is kind of what you've just said, the way he goes up and down the fretboard. (laughs) But there is just this, it's partly a tone and it's partly the notes that he chooses to use, which is just so Brodsky. And I don't Mm. know how to describe it properly, but it's very prevalent in perfect pitch black that, uh, yeah. Second to last cave in record, uh, third, third to last now, I suppose. Yeah. um, I, I, re- the, the, I think the big thing that a lot of people have been talking about with this record, there are two big covers on it. Um, but the really big one that people have been talking about, they had the audacity to cover my favourite ever Guns N' Roses song. Right. Um, what do you think of the original version of Estranged? You've heard it, surely.
0: I can't remember what is it. What is it, it sound
1: like? you talking to yourself... And nobody's home without the pen dropping.
0: Use illusion too. Oh, mate, it's been so long. I'll
1: sort you (laughs) out, pal. It's, um, you know, I mean, people lazily called it November Rain Part Um, 2. It's another kind of, well, it's nine minutes and 10 seconds, something like that. The original version, this is very piano y, but with uh, some amazing lead work from Slash. Uh, It's just about committing suicide. Hooray. Um, And um, it's, yeah, it's a phenomenal song. When I heard that they were going to tackle it, it was a a mixed feeling of kind of trepidation and excitement excitement because I thought, I can see that working really well, but holy fuck, I hope they don't fuck it up because it's my favourite song by one of my favourite bands of all time. I think it's a really beautiful version.
0: Very, very good. I really love what they do Mm. with it. It's just
1: really... Exactly I mean, it is exactly what I expected them to do with it, but I'm quite pleased that they've done what I expected them to do with it. It's a very chilled out, very somber version of it. Cut down to seven and a half minutes, still quite long, but like they just cut out a few bits and pieces. Um it's really beautiful. And then the other cover is the last song on the record, which is, can you remember me? In Spite of Me. In Spite of Me, which is just a beautiful song, basically, like you know, with a, um, with a refrain, which is along the lines of, like, you loved me in spite of myself, mm. uh, which was originally by a band called Morphine, who I don't really know much about. But No, me neither. I think the two covers on this record are probably by far the two strongest tracks on it which is kind of my only issue with it so it's 10 songs in total and those two tracks i mean those two tracks alone are 10 minutes of this 30 minute record Mm. and then you're left with 20 minutes of really often beautiful ethereal chelsea wolf-esque in a lot of places Mm -hmm. music which is very sparse and very delicately and beautifully arranged i think my I like it and I do like it very much. I very much like it as a background listen more than a passive listen, uh, than, 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 a than, a you know, actively listening to it. I just feel like sometimes some of those songs aren't, it's almost like they're missing a part. It's almost like there's, when I listen to AA a. Williams, I don't, I go that's sparse, but it doesn't feel like it's missing anything. Mm. There's a few songs on this and a lot of them are like two minutes, two and a half minutes long kind of thing.
0: Well, Yes, I'm about to bring up the other artists that we're going to surprisingly chuck in here. With Hello. regards to that, these songs are short, and they I don't are. think they're short. My opinion on this, because you know I haven't reset it properly yet, is that it's good. Yeah, I don't think it's the height of what "quote unquote" death gospel can be. No, I think it's a slightly different record as well yep. than a lot of those other artists because I think Steve Brodsky, no, maybe like his spun by. Chelsea Wolfe has th- got a similar sort of... The,
1: it reminds me of Chelsea Wolf the most out of all of those. Yeah.
0: She has um, a kind of... an, And I think the very best of... She's not quite the best it, but she still does have... The very best of these artists have a sort of effortless quality to their voice. You know, Chelsea Wolf sounds really effortless. I think yeah. um, Emma Ruth Rundle, it just sounds like she sat down and that's what's happened to come Uh out when they've and they've been rolling the tape it doesn't feel processed it doesn't really feel um particularly too over or thought about it feels like a kind of and and i think that's what's cool about it i think that's when those artists work really well and i think it feels like a moment yeah and i think marissa nadler has got a bit of that the songs i was surprised at how short a lot of the songs were yeah but you know I think this record is like you say, I think you know it it, it it's not the best version of it, but mm. it's at least interesting
1: yeah definitely i I definitely agree with that and and it left me wanting more mm. so so that that should be a strong indicator that it is very good and I do
0: think I mean I think estrange is the strongest moment it. yeah, you? yeah,
1: I think most people will point to a it's the one which feels most like a song yeah start for starts because it's seven and a half minutes mm. but like it and it's right it's the centerpiece of the record it's track six isn't it track five track six, track six you know yeah. of a 10 track record i mean it's it's i think i i, I think that's really cool but uh, then at the same time there's part of me which is like it's is it a good thing that the two best songs on this are covers
0: you know I mean? yeah well yeah you know like there's that i mean i think for the sun is a really good song as well the second yeah. track on it's really good i think there's some you know there's some good stuff on it but like i say they're quite brief now the reason i brought out is because we've had a few people saying to us um you should review because you review a lot of this stuff and you talk about a lot of this like death gospel stuff and a lot of these female um singer songwritery types you should review billy ellish um who is the, well, she's one of the, the sort of the most um, uh, hyped uh, artists in the world at the moment, I guess. She's a big deal. Uh, Apparently so. <laughs> recently, <laughs> yeah. um, she released an album a few weeks ago called When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Um, she's been compared, I've seen compared to Marilyn Manson quite Had a lot. Has she? Uh-huh. Um, she's been praised by Dave Grohl who called her, who, who did, it was reported that he called her the uh, the saviour of rock and roll which is actually not what he said at all. Um, he said going to see her felt like the kids of that age, his daughter's age had somebody that they could relate to in the same way as the kids who were that age when Nirvana came out had yeah. something they could relate to. That's what Dave Grohl said. Flea said a very similar thing that he was blown away by her. Um, and so I thought as, you know, she, um, she was the second, the second largest sales in a week for an album in 2019 behind Ariana Grande's record. Wow. So it feels like, you know, she's kind of a big deal at the moment. So I listened to that record and I said to you, like, we should probably listen to this record mm-hmm. and at least kind of bring it up as it's, uh, you know, a bit of a big deal at the moment. Um, and this is the, you know, this is what's interesting. Is I think is this is the kind of the mainstream's version, version of, of it. Yeah, this scene that's sort of going on the underground and has been bubbling away for a little while. I can see similarity. I can see similarities between Drone Flower and When We Fall Asleep. Where do we go? Mm-hmm. But certainly in terms of the, the 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 very brief lengths of songs.
1: Yeah. Um, definitely. yeah.
0: A.A. Uh, A. Williams like you said some of her songs are short as well it seems yeah. like but they seem like they're short because they're short I listened to Billie Eilish and I feel like they're short because then you can put 14 songs on Spotify and more people will listen your to music it. and you'll get more money
1: I don't know I mean we we don't know what her um, uh, aspirations are or what what she wants to you know why those songs are so short I think I definitely feel like it's a pop version of what we talk about quite a lot that we really, really like. Yeah, it's Chelsea Um, Wolfe
0: via Sabrina the Teenage Witch, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: It it reminded me a lot of an artist we did cover, but on trade-off, I think it most reminded me of Fink, actually, who Mm. is not part of that death pop thing. Probably because he's male. Um, But... um, uh it, it has a very kind of she's singing in a very low register for a lot of it there's a very you know the amount of it's a very bass heavy record i yeah. suppose um but listening to it i mean it just feels like a think or an a. a williams but devoid of as many good ideas or even interesting hooks. I think that's something that I found quite surprising about because this album's been reviewed extraordinarily well. Yeah. Like, for the most part, getting five out of fives or four out of fives. It's only got five out of five in the enemy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Only two out of five in independent.
1: Yeah, by my old colleague, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's it just doesn't have the gravitas or the depth of oh. the stuff that, i mean even um we had uh the last louise lemon record we reviewed with serena and jamila from svalbard and Ithaca, and they they particularly I mean, we felt this a little bit but they particularly f- were a little bit unsure as to what she was doing in this kind of metal world i think and louise lemon is probably the most quote-unquote pop mm. version of this death gospel thing that we have covered um, up until now, and even Louise Lemon sounds like she's got a shitload more going on oh, yeah. in her like a lot.
0: And well, I mean to be to to be very very clear about Billy Eilish, um, she's not being touted as rock music or no, like no. kind of alternative. Well, apart from by Dave Grohl, um, uh, a lot of it is. I mean, she's got
1: an alternative ish look. Yeah, that's about as far as it goes. Really,
0: it seems to have much more in common with you know kind of trap and yeah. you know uh, that sort of minimalistic electronic stuff. I mean, I think I think we, ta- we we're talking about the Chemical Brothers every week, and one of the things that I kind of forgot to say was that I feel like the reason why everything in pop sounds the same now is because <laughs> America have only just discovered electronic music in the last 10 years do you think that i do yeah i do i think they've gone oh look um what was the breakthrough for america then i guess dubstep they all started listening mm. to you know steve like i think steve oakey came along it's been a big one but you know when it's like skrillex and mm. dubstep became a thing that got big in on kind of college campuses and stuff and that's a, like you know they never really went big on electronic music no that's true actually that's a very astute and, point and and now they have and they've i think they've just gone mental for it um so i don't think this is bad i don't really know no. what type of music it is. the billy ellish um uh, no. record and i think there's some all right stuff in it but i think too often it all feels a bit uh a bit forced a bit overwrought and not even overwrought I think it just feels a bit I I don't believe it in the same way as I believe someone like Chelsea Wolfe and I wonder if me comparing her to Chelsea Wolfe is like I wonder if people who were into the Melvins heard Nevermind and went nope if we're going to go down Dave Grohl's route I wonder I wonder if they did I wonder if this is just you know cynicism on my part um but I guess you can't unhear what you've already heard, mm. and you know this is like abyss by Chelsea Wolfe, not like dropping out of school before it finishes GCSEs, and she's young as well. Like I don't want to be a pricker or, or was, anything about it. Like say, she's only sort of eighteen, I think. She's very she's young. nineteen, I think. Nineteen.
1: Okay. I I do think it's very. Um, I do feel it's authentic, you know. I do feel that. Uh, this Is who she wants to be, and this is what she wants to do. I mean, she mm, produces... I
0: think it's a bit uh, what's the word? Um, not, not authentic, but I think it's a bit uh, it's clipped. You know, when people talk, they deliberately talk in a sort of or well, whatever accent they think, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of um, I think it's a bit of that. I'm I not don't... saying that she doesn't like that's not it's inauthentic, yeah, per se but I don't necessarily feel that it's, um, uh, it feels like someone who wants to be a thing.
1: I don't know. I I, I would be really, I mean, we, we're we comparing her to, you know, Marissa Nadler and Chelsea Wolfe and mm. Emma Ruth Rundle. I'd be really intrigued to know if she's actually even heard those
0: artists. I have no idea. I don't idea. think she has at all. No, uh, probably I would be not. very, very surprised if she has. But, I mean, this is what's interesting about the kind of Marissa Nadler and Emeryth Rundle and that scene and stuff is that that is providing a very, very cool, um, sort of genuinely artistically challenging um, set of uh, of new ways to present female music. Like Mm. it feels like that's a a progression in the world. Well, music from a female perspective, yeah, of of, of world in a sort of a, a female perspective. Like you know, it does sit within. You know, certainly within the, the underground scene. I think you know, we've we've said this till we're bloody blue in the face, so you know, I don't think we need to go through it again. Whereas Billy Ellis to me just sort of sounds like a pop star. Yeah. And not a there's, bad nothing pop star. No, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. Not a bad pop star. Like you know, there's some there's some all right songs on this record. I actually think there's a
1: there's a trio at the end which are all really sad, which is probably where this record gets closest to that gospel. Uh, death gospel sound that we're talking about is yeah there's a song called I think is I love you. Um that's not the song I think mean. that was just a proclamation. Thank you. <laughs> that. Uh never get it back though. That's the I was saying thing. <laughs> um uh, it, it's but it's like a love lawn trio almost of songs and that is like th- there were parts of that, that I was like okay this is almost a direct line to Louise Lemon now. Yeah. Not so much Chelsea Wolf but Louise Lemon I can almost see um because like you say there is like quite a lot of electronic stuff on the record as well and and it, to 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 directly compare the entire record to this death gospel scene would probably be a bit ott yeah but um i feel i feel there's a sort of maybe i feel there's an authenticity to it certainly in those last couple of songs but also i mean like it's kind of her and her brother like her brother's called kind of produces it and um does a lot of like adds a lot of the extra sounds and textures and stuff it feels like this collaboration it's not her and some big name producer Mm. it's her brother you Mm. know and that's why it feels i can see this project you know it's starting maybe when she's around 15 years old and then them just like playing around with sounds in one in a bedroom or something like that you know so i can see the sort of authenticity in, in that sense and i think um you know she's created something that in the pop world probably hasn't probably hasn't been heard before mm. I'm trying to think of an example in the pop world mm-hmm. um and that's great like good for, like and, and yeah there's there's bits of that record which I think are pretty decent i'm i'm kind of stunned by like everyone it's full marks out of their scoring yeah. system. Yeah, I mean, I would. Or... Think
0: what you're saying there, I think, that was very telling because I think you're. I was trying to think there, and going, yeah, what pop star has been, has been this successful being kind of really dark. quite dark like this in pop, yeah, it's particularly yeah. in pop yeah. because you have like you know like oh Rihanna's wearing leather trousers and that's their idea of being dark or whatever. Does Lana Whereas,
1: Del Rey count?
0: Yeah, I guess so. But even Lana Del Rey, I don't think is. Lionel Ray sort of is is darkly sad and a bit, <laughs> do you know, it, it's. I'd say it's kind of it's sad and a bit um, uh, self reflective. That's more Morris. It's more the Smiths. This is. I think this is more like. Um, I have a black heart. Yeah, Susie and the Banshees. Or this is more Joy Division than the Smiths. Yeah. Lana Del Rey's like the Smiths. This is like Joy Division. Mm, mm-hmm. um, And not in terms of the quality of either, of any of the Not the the Sonics. Yeah, but but I think certainly in terms of the, the, like, because, you know, this album does feel really quite, you know, like quite bleak and um, quite, yeah, you know, at at points. But I don't, again, maybe a bit like the horror we were saying earlier, I don't think the songs are that good. Like, Mm. they're not bad. They're quite good. They're interesting at some points. They're short and a lot of them don't know if they could do a bit of fleshing out maybe that's something but it's been reviewed so well it's that thing again man it's that everything in the mainstream at the moment is so shit that when something all right comes along you jump mm. on it and tell everyone how great it is childish gambino this is america is not a good song sorry it's not you can go wow it's great what a great video yeah the video's good yeah It's not a great song and you can shout about how brilliant it is. It's not good. Post Malone is not good. But I also... fucking the 1975, you can tell me until you're blue in the face about how they're the new radio head. They're not. They're not as good. I also
1: think that it speaks slightly to how mainstream press treat music as well, though. Mm -hmm. So as a matter of fact, this is what my column this week is about. I've remembered. (laughs) Um, So basically the column is about how it's difficult for just good bands to get good press because the mainstream music press certainly isn't really interested in great band write great album they want a story they want a hook they want something interesting and so the primary goal of mainstream music outlets is to find an interesting story to write about rather than to find good music and tell people about it Mm. Whereas I feel like we, for example, are the the goals are the exact opposite. I think maybe that's got a lot to do with why a lot of very average or even shit music in some cases gets this massive push because there's a story there somewhere which is kind of interesting i think even just the story of her and her brother writing music together is already a hook yeah like the the hook can be that simple but a lot of bands you know they're concentrating on writing music they're not thinking that like most bands are not good marketers or campaigners you know like it uses a different side of your brain almost and and i think i suppose this is where prs come in and stuff like that but the amount of times i've spoken to prs who have been like trying to get an interesting angle out of this band is like blood from a stone you know but that shouldn't be what music journalism is about in my opinion uh but predominantly that is what it's about although that's been the case for a long time yeah so i don't don't
0: necessarily think there's that much power over music journalists to be able to stop or influence something like this i think I mean, I don't know. Like, I am not an expert in the world of modern hip hop. I have to say, like, with the exception of a few things, most of it that I listen to, I just go, yeah, you know, it's either something which I think is totally rubbish. Or it doesn't grip me that much and make me want to go back and listen to it Mm. um and this sort of falls between the cracks between a couple of things i can see why it's quite interesting because it's half that kind of modern hip-hop thing and then it's half this kind of dark wave thing and it's you Mm -hmm. know and it's very it's youthful and it's again minimalist and it's produced really nice you know the production on it makes it sound really really nice but ultimately i don't know you know again i just think because that's what's in the that's what's getting popular and this stuff gets popular and you know the people we've said it a bunch of times you can go on spotify people don't really care about music anymore so why would they invest in something that's actually good when you can listen to what everyone else tells you you know what everyone else is listening to what spotify telling you to listen to and uh you know it's headlining and you know it's easy it's easy pickings and then you can go and say isn't this great wow. and it's, that two nil scores really got you down hasn't two it? One now, <laughs> um, yeah which is even worse because it's like a slight slight bit of hope but no i you know i do i just think like so much that gets in the mainstream that gets really really brilliantly brilliantly reviewed you know i mean we we talked about the 1975 and we reviewed it and we spoke about it for a long time we um denied about whether it was good or not and i was like well it's good for what it is but you know, it is being compared to a modern OK computer. I know. and it's I've not gone back to it at all. I've been back to it a couple of times. It, it's all right. I think it's, you know, I think it's perfectly good record. Mm. But it's not a modern OK computer. I mean, it's not even a modern block Public party. Pablo Honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Not, you know, it's not even the modern something for the weekend by block party. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's, it's nowhere near. Mm that level it's that's not even
1: standard. denise Van out something for the weekend on channel 4
0: <laughs> which that is the original okay computer which if you've
1: if you've never seen it i mean how do you describe something for the weekend i oh, wouldn't even try especially
0: <laughs> in this context had a, had a lot of dicks in it i recall like actual dicks yeah actual penises yeah um so core cool, you know it's gone bad when <laughs> We've resorted to this. So anyway, <laughs> I would say to kind of we kind of brought that billy Ellis in just because we were talking about Marissa Nadler and that whole scene, it feels like there's even more of a swell of interest within that scene. And someone had said, you know, you should review Billy Ellis. you should talk about it. Um I think the comparison, you know, they they, they it's it doesn't come off as well. Well I think I think, t- think Drone Flowers is, is a de is a is a pretty good record. Yeah. By no means the best that this scene has to offer. Absolutely not. No. But I think it's certainly a lot better than I would take this over the Billy Eilish album. It's
1: personally. it's it's funny in that in 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 a lot of ways both of them actually have similar issues. They do, mm. But drone the droneflower record
0: is far far better. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> um, they're not really from the same scene. Although no. again, I think there is quite a lot of similarities in them.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, it's an interesting thing to bring them both together and see. You know as you say like see what the mainstream version of this is because it might be the first iteration of the quote-unquote death gospel if that is what it is in the pop world that we've seen maybe Mm. but then actually you know like you said there's actually quite a lot more to there's more things in the billy ellish sound than just death gospel there's bits of hip-hop there's bits of electronica and stuff like that as well and yet it sounds emptier true in it yeah
0: funny old thing that
1: so um, i still think i think she sounds like a nowhere near as good think i think that is the closest like think and i wouldn't call think pop at all but no. like i think think so think was the singer songwriter he used to be who's on ninja tune it was a hip-hop label label and you liked it very very much yeah I like that a lot. um and there's this very kind of low bassy like the rhythm feels almost as important as the notes being played in think songs that's, that's yeah. kind of the only way i can describe it there's an atmosphere that is conjured and created um and i think billy ellish sort of does that as well i just think think does it much better fair yeah
0: okay all right anyway um we're going to move on and do trade-off so both Trade those on. albums are out now giant flower by Stephen brodsky Amrish and rissa nadler and um when we fall asleep what's that album called again when we, when fall we all fall asleep, asleep where do where we go, go billy ellish um, we stay so exactly where we are we're just in an unconscious state that is true as well. Um let's do trade off entry before we go. So you gave me beach slang, the things we do to find people who feel like us which came out on the 30th of October 2015. So I was going to say not that long ago, but three and, and a it, half years ago. It's quite it is fairly fairly long not a long time ago but it's a while ago now. It just doesn't feel like it should be. I guess because um That whole scene felt like it was going to happen. It still feels like that scene that we spoke about earlier when we were talking about restorations. Obviously, the Gaslight Anthem were like the the big godfathers of that. um, Philly. I know these guys are from Jersey, aren't they? Yeah. Beach Lang. So there was, what other bands were there? We mentioned the Menzingers. We mentioned Restorations. I Uh, guess the Hotelier. um, The world is a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid to die. Sorority noise, Would you put in there? Yeah, yeah, sorority noise. Um, Apologies, I have none, maybe. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, it felt like around this time there was a big old swell of interest towards these bands and it still feels like people are interested in these bands, but it feels like none of them have ever really gone over the over top, the top. Um, which is my kind of takeaway from that. And I wondered why that, I've always kind of, I've always kind of wondered when you get album. I mean, you know, I think the Menzingers would be, if any of them were going to, I always thought the Menzingers would be the ones that would be doing it, and they haven't really. Um, Not to the extent in which I thought they might have done. No,
1: certainly not to like a Gaslight Anthem extent or anything like that. I mean, it does feel like Gaslight were the last band to...
0: Definitely. They were the first ones of these really as well, weren't they? I mean, I suppose you've got Hot Water Music and Against Me and that sort of thing, but that's a little bit
1: there was a revival of of sorts yeah yeah yeah. um we're kind of talking like heart on sleeve almost like americana kind of Mm. rock
0: Mm. so uh this record that you gave to me 26 minutes long nearly 27 minutes long i should say um i feel like i didn't listen to it when it came out although i did hear the name beach slang being thrown about a lot when uh when it dropped um They were one of those bands who, I think around this time, I wasn't really listening to this stuff that much. I'd kind of, was working at Team Rock Radio, I'd kind of given up on anything that wasn't like very heavy Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And pop punk, emo had become such a shithole. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That I just was like, oh, I'm not really sure about it. And it took a few, like the Wonder we didn't mention the Wonder Years. The Wonder Years Wonder would be years. Uh, a band who kind of made me reappraise that scene and that yep. sound and what uh what that did. And so but Beach Lane kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. So um I listened to this and I like it very much. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's the best mm-hmm. of these records. It's certainly not the worst either, but it is their is their debut album or is the, their second. It's album? It's their
1: debut album. They yeah. released two EPs before this, mm-hmm. which were the layer collated together. But, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Fine. Um, so it's a debut full length record, and for a debut full length record, I think it's good. Yeah. I think it shows that you know there's only one song on here that's ticks over the three minute mark. Yeah. 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 Which is cool. It's, um, just, it's
1: bang 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 and out pretty yeah. much.
0: What's a song? There's um, uh, "Porno Love" mm. is a really good. song. That's a great song. Yeah. It's a great song, yeah. and that shows a bit more of that. because this is the thing. It's like the, I guess the dream pop shoegaze elements that are mixed with kind of raucous, almost dropkick murphy's clatter. Yeah, that that this raucous
1: has. punk energy. Yeah,
0: it's quite an interesting cocktail of stuff. Yeah,
1: um, I so I mean. I uh, absolutely I, th- I think when it comes to to a lot of this heart on sleeve emo Americana stuff I think how much you like a lot of the records often depends on how much they speak to you yeah I think that has a massive massive difference in it and I'm always really worried giving people this beach slang record because this beach slang record spoke to me so much right. when I when I heard it um, and I absolutely adore it I think it's 27 minutes of near perfection basically Mm. i absolutely love it um james alex who's the uh lead singer and you know who is beach slang basically he has this um amazing heart on sleeve uh emotive quality which i think is so open Mm. that it actually puts some people off uh because he is very he's he's a wonder he's an amazing man i've spoken to him several times now but there's there's something about him that's so affable and so effervescent and so just kind of like i think cynics just kind of feel like he can't be like that all the time can he and like i've met him a bunch of times and yeah that's just him that's just that's just the dude a lot of these songs are about the power of punk music about um so many so many of them are just about how great music is yeah i lo- yeah. I love to you know mm. there's i don't think it's on this album but there's one lyric which is like turn the amps up to nine i don't want it too loud you know it's like just stuff like that it's just all about songs punk rock songs about how great
0: punk rock is a lot well, of it. just looking at the names as well like bad art and weirdo ideas noisy heaven i break guitars young and alive do you know what i mean like yeah that reads like you know the, a tour diary yeah
1: yeah 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 exactly there's a whole kind of um do you know the replacements yeah the the there's the, a the big replacements and big paul westerberg mm. um influence in a lot of this and i just um i mean i just love the way beach slang do it i i think they are really re- i i just i just lo- i think they're brilliant brilliant bands and i think this is their uh best moment to date so far mm. um they've done a lot uh, i mean james just seems really keen just to get so much material out so quickly to the point where the record label have actually asked him to not release a record uh for like a year just just so that beach sand can go away for a bit and then come back so i think the new one's due this year but he basically wanted to release a record every i mean i think if he could he'd release a record every six months or so <laughs> yeah um but the amount of stuff that they've done like if james isn't able to write beach slang stuff then he'll just he does these mixtapes which are just on their Bandcamp page where he just covers a bunch of songs which he thinks people should hear and then they just go out and there's been like six of them now um they've done two full-length albums they've done something called quiet slang which is taking a lot of the songs on here and a lot from the second album And just making them piano-led and with a string quartet kind of thing. Something which I think you don't like happening to a lot of songs, but it's actually done really nicely and really well. Um, And then there's the first two EPs, which are fantastic as well. Um, They're just an excellent, excellent, excellent band. Is this Um, the best album? I think so.
0: Really? Okay. Um, Because they've got a few more that come after this, don't they? They've got to the point now where they have there's a loud bash of teenage feelings which is technically their second album right okay
1: um which is good but i just prefer this first one
0: and everything matters but no one is listening that's the, really quiet, sort of the slang. quiet slang that's okay. the quiet oh, slang yeah. thing yeah okay yeah and they've got they've got a lot of and they've got a lot of vps as well. then
1: they have shit loads of EPs. and like yeah james always seems to be doing something uh and if he can't tag the beach slang name to it he'll just sort of it'll become like a side thing but yeah um i just i love his you know his poetry his witticisms his um he's very influenced by Bukowski, and if you've ever read any Bukowski stuff you can totally see it uh in his writing and his kind of just his joy at life you know Mm. he's just so happy still being on the road and he feels like he was given like a second chance because he used to be in this band i think they're called western can't remember now but they were they they, you know were quite not big but they had a they had a a following in america for a while and he just loved this band and he loved them so much he just kept kept turning up to their shows and then eventually they were just like well just fucking be in the band because you hear all the time it was you know exactly that scenario and um he just played guitar in the background and then that kind of that went to shit for some reason i'm not sure why and then he just felt like his rock and roll dream is kind of over, but um, he is just so sort of grateful to have what he sees as like a second chance. Cause something which is quite surprising about James Alex as well is like he's early forties. Oh, really? But yeah, exactly. But the songs, they sound like they come from such a youthful uh, place and such. a.
0: I never would have imagined yeah. that. Yeah.
1: And this is a, a, quite a few when beach slang got quite a bit of, a, I don't know, press press quite a lot of press some people started using that as a stick to beat him with he's like well you you sing about being young and free but you're not are you and he's like well i feel it so it's an interesting it's an interesting i i think they are an absolutely amazing band and i i thought well this is gonna explode isn't it and then it turned out that a few hundred people agreed with me and that
0: was a bit like that scene bit like that scene as a whole yeah yeah it's a bit like that scene it's funny that it doesn't you know it doesn't seem to have because it it does feel you know I remember hearing a lot of these bands and thinking you know they they do feel youthful and they do feel kind of current and stuff mm. as well and this feels really um it felt really contemporary to me, yeah, yeah, it does, you but know, uh, even though you're mentioning kind of. The replacements, and yeah, you know, we speak of them probably again, like Huskadoos, probably. Huskadoo, definitely. And you know, we mentioned sort of Hot Water Music and again, yeah. me and bands like that earlier, yeah. but it still feels really, yeah, it's got a real, it has got a real kind of youthful exuberance to it, which, yeah, uh, now he's age 40 is pretty hilarious, but then a lot of those bands do, and they feel like they should, you know, I you know, think they feel like they, I would have thought they would have represented the sort of, um, the general feeling in sort of youth culture at the moment as i know it but they, they don't seem to have really 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 popped anyway. well they so. just
1: i mean they just supported jawbreaker uh oh, yes. o- over here in the uk uh about a week ago once this goes out so they're they getting some good gigs here and there but um i mean i don't i think the last time they played london i think they played the Scala. can't remember if they sold out it's not that that big no it's about a thousand i think i think the difficult thing with this scene is going back to what i was saying before about sometimes these records are just so personal to you and and lyrically they might just my favorite records in this scene are not necessarily the ones that are considered quote-unquote the best it's the ones that I relate to the most so my favorite menzingers record is rented world which is not the one that is usually considered the best it's usually on on the impossible past Mm. that most people go to but um and i think because we're all different um we probably resonate with records in a slightly different way and therefore there's almost it's difficult to agree a consensus almost as to which one is you know an amazing record sometimes it's difficult to deny like the 59 sound yeah just the the feelings are so universal and it captures something so well. It felt like lightning in a bottle. But sometimes it really is down to individual kind of how you individually take to the album. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it's difficult to find like the classic in
0: this scene. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's true. Well, anyway, it's a good record. I liked it a lot. It's beach slang. The things we do to find people who feel like us from 2015. Go and have a little listen if you're one of the, I mean, You probably, To be honest, you probably, you probably heard it. Um, and if you haven't then you should yeah Uh, so um, I gave you now this is very very different I gave you When the Kite String Pops by Acid Bath released on the 8th of August 1994 going to be 25 years old this year yeah one of the most influential albums from the 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 burgeoning New Orleans um, sludge metal scene that gave us the likes of I Hate God and Crowbar um, both of whom are very good bands. Yep. I hate Gordon Crowbar. But I think, Remfree, just to kind of kick us off here, that this is a far more dexterous and possibly possibly unsettling listen than anything even those bands have managed Yeah. over the years. Now, um, there was
1: an unsettling quality to this that reminded me of when I listened to Today Is The Day. Mm. I get a really unsettling kind of... Oh is this guy gonna knife me in the back or something it, it, there's a weird quality to it certainly yeah, yes
0: there is so um we should probably we should probably talk about uh acid bath the band um before we get into it i mean what did you know about did you know cuz obviously it's they're one of those names aren't they
1: yeah do you know what um hardly anything i didn't even know they were part of the uh louisiana sludge scene they right. they were just a name that i knew of mm. um i that's it really i mean they're called acid bath so i assumed they were heavy although that making that assumption isn't always correct i was correct in this case (laughs) but 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 you know um i kind of because because i see them as a a, i see them as a classic band Mm. um and i'm not saying they're not but when i you know i went into their wikipedia and i noticed they only really had two albums whilst they were around so i was a bit surprised at that i was expecting there to be a vast back catalog of stuff
0: well there's reasons for that isn't there yes yes Uh, which we'll get into and i think the reason they are sort of considered a classic cult band is probably partially due to the fact that they only have two albums um they have described themselves as gothic hardcore and death rock or they did back in the day um which are both hilarious um hilarious (laughs) hilarious <laughs> like, neither but neither uh, both you can like yeah i can see yeah, that sort of now i you know what is unsettling about uh acid bath I mean, it could be one of many things there's a the use of um serial killer john wayne gacy's artwork on yeah. the front cover of of this record um as what's his name bobo the clown i believe yeah it's yeah. the character that john wayne gacy played Um, John Wayne Gacy is a famous American serial killer. He was also painted. He painted himself as Bobo the clown and has signed the the painting, and it is on the front cover of the Acid Bath album. That in itself is is creepy. creepy. Yeah, it's horrible. Mm. Um, There's also some very unsettling use of Clockwork Orange and
1: some very unsettling samples.
0: And yeah, Blue Velvet, Velvet, David Lynch, and Stanley Kubrick at their most sort of weird being used on this record but really the music itself does enough Mm -hmm. to uh to make this a difficult listen um
1: yes i don't disagree with any of that but i will also say less difficult after seeing the painting being like oh is that john wayne gacy oh yes it is okay hearing they're called acid bath loading the album up, seeing it's 68 minutes long. Mm. I was, there was definitely an element of me being like, Oh really? Like, (laughs) like, okay, this is going to be quite an intense, um, sort of listen. Yeah. I was really stunned at how quick 68 minutes went by because it's also incredibly
0: varied. It's very, very varied. It can be really melodic. Yeah. Some parts it can be, you know, it's unsettling. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's violently antagon- it's it's violently antagonistic all the way through. Even the melodic um songs, even some like Jezebel, mm-hmm. which, you know, is as close and uh, please don't think that I mean this in any way that you're considering it, is as close to a ballad oh, <laughs> as right, they're okay, gonna yeah. get. But like but obviously not. Um, but there are songs on this record which sound like Alice in Chains. Yeah, yeah, there's a real, yeah, you know, Alice in Chains is, um, is something that I was going to bring up, yeah. you know, that kind of, it, it's gothic-y, grungy. I mean, I was going to say Danzig as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that, yeah. that really kind of dark um, blues, danzig blues. But then when they're heavy uh, and when there's songs like, you know, I mean, again, just looking at the titles... Yeah. Name list some of these titles. Cheap vodka, Finger Paintings of the Insane, Scream of the Butterfly, The Mortician's fa- Flame, What Colour is Death, The Bones of Baby Dolls, Cassie Eats Cockroaches. I and, mean and Pilo erection. And yeah, oh no, wait, that's yeah. a different wreck. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean Yeah, it's it's a record which comes from I mean, I think although there is the the depressing gothic uh, there's a kind of the the doomy nature of stuff like Soundgarden. there's that kind of gothic morbid sadness that you get in Danzig as well the stifling heat and insanity of mm-hmm. new orleans uh is the thing is is all over this record yeah definitely i think this is a like this is a this is a brilliant 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 record By i was the way.
1: yeah i was really i was really I was really taken with this record. Mm. Uh, I, I thought it was. And I love that thing. You know, I love the way that like metal music, I'm going to go off on one a little bit here, but I love the go way on. that metal music constantly surprises me. You get a band like rotting, rotting Christ and you go, yeah. Oh, well, I know what that sounds like. And, and you then don't. you listen to it and you really don't. Mm. And there are, there must be so many bands that I subconsciously just so quickly go oh okay um necro dick dick chomper Well, i know what they sound like <laughs> yeah. and then, who don't exist by the way maybe they do and um but then you'll listen to them and, and you're just surprised and i think acid bath probably were just one of those bands who i was like well i don't need to listen to. you them expect them to be a thrash band yeah they're yeah, called like, acid they're bath yeah and they're so not i mean yes it's heavy and yes it's 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 it, it it is not how i expect it to sound and like i say you know loading up 68 minutes i thought it was going to be 68 minutes of doomy, you know hearing it's from the sludgy 94 era mm. i thought it was going to be nola but 68 minutes but not as good yeah
0: and it isn't no it's not at all you know listening to there are some you know takers needed for pain by i hate god is a a fucking brilliant album but that is like a speedball smashed in your face do you know what i mean yeah that is just really difficult um crowbar have i think have a real kind of weed smoking Mm -hmm. like stomp stomp slow like you know it's kind of gruff as well and it just feels like you're kind of like an elephant exhaling yeah i think it was crowbar like the heaviest thing you're kind of the weightiest thing whereas i hate god a really kind of spittle nasty nasty. and acid bath managed to be both those things and kind of classic heavy metal (laughs) Yeah, yeah 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 and um you know and still feel as violently nihilistic as iron monkey i mean i think mm. iron monkey were my gateway into sludge when i think right like, or, or you know whatever this kind of stuff is that kind of heroin sludge um or that kind of uh, you know that that doom hardcore whatever you want to call it iron monkey were the first band who i ever listened to who i went oh, i like this yeah um and then it was kind of tracing back where did this come from and because iron monkey obviously a british uh you were like, well, I don't know if I need to listen to those New Orleans bands, even though that's the kind of genesis <laughs> of yeah, 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 where yeah. this stuff came from. So it did take me a while. I think actually, my band were on a a, um, a sampler with an, with I Hate God. We were on a, a sampler that Locked your Records put out. Oh, yeah, cool! And uh, I Hate God were on there as well. And we we're like, oh, I Hate God, and then you heard crowbine and obviously once you heard Down. Yeah, It was like, oh, yeah, that's the there shit we need yeah. to be listening to. Yeah. And that's when people were like, oh, and there's da 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 Because you always go, like, there's acid. You know, the acid bath always get brought up. And it's weird because they'd split up by the time I'd heard about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, there's Crowbar and there's I hate God, and then Phil Anselmo has got one of these bands as well. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, you know, Weed Eater or whatever were kind of coming mm-hmm. up later on. And then... In England, we had Orange Goblin, or I know a different sort of thing, but Do Me, whatever you know. Yeah, um, and so I didn't initially kind of rush out to get into Acid Bath, but it was only when their name kept coming up as oh, you know, they're the one, they're the ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. and certainly from within that scene of bands who I like very, very much. You know, I've got a lot of respect for Crowbar, I really like I Hate God, obviously, I like Down, and Down are the most kind of classically heavy metal sound in one of those bands they're the, the most obvious ones that you would go to clearly because of the personnel within it yeah. and because they've written three fucking stellar albums mm-hmm. um but this record really does represent i i think this represents a creative high watermark for this scene
1: yeah it's it's a year before nola came out as yeah. well it's it's a really astonishing record and i'm kind of i i wonder if the name and the artwork and I just wonder how many people have been put off listening to this album because, yeah, I mean, I, I would—I've probably assumed that Acid Bath, yeah, were just some sort of eighties thrash band, yeah, because that's exactly what they sound like. But and the thing is, we're all kind of guilty of doing this because there's just so much goddamn music and not enough time. Uh-huh. And sometimes you just have to go, well, they sound like they're going to sound like this, so they're this. But yeah. you really, I mean. It's certainly, then, and even more so now, you really cannot do that, you mm. know. And you will know us by the trail of dead. Do not sound like what if well, you just had the name Smash you'd... Mouth? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the most <laughs> named ever <laughs> yeah. band ever. I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, you 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 just you cannot go on those things, and this mm. is just another great reminder that yeah. there is so much more to it th- i think the thing with it is it's it's like a down record but you don't know where it's going to go next yeah i mean with down you more or less you more or less know what you're gonna get
0: i i, I think down lean on um th- this is much heavier than anything much down, heavier. I've yeah. ever put their name to um, down go full sometimes you can get like you you know the the kirk's love of thin lizzie you can hear mm-hmm. it down a bit do you know what i mean you can yeah. hear they like cream you stone hear they, the crow yeah stone the crow Chlor- you know they like the blues and stuff this is got a bit of that now and again but it feels much more like so i think everything about everything about um acid bath is dark do you know what i mean yeah. even when it's melodic like i think down you can but people like sit around smoking weed and listen to Down, and you know, like Down aren't always not that they're not serious. I don't want to make it sound like they're not serious because obviously they are serious, but they're not, it's not always brutal, it's not always kind mm. of oppressively like fucking hell. Like, even the quieter moments on this record, you know, when we yeah. read out the the song titles, like, yeah. this is a fucking seriously nightmarish records
1: well this is why i was surprised that it seemed to go so by so fast because i was unnerved throughout yeah and to be unnerved for 68 minutes yeah. at a time is in a so long many time. different ways in so well. many different ways but it's so varied and there's so much going on and to be honest with you the first 10 minutes of this record i was a bit like oh, okay This isn't quite what I thought it was, but I do pretty much know what this is going to be for the rest of it. And then, you know, it just throws a curveball at you and you're like, oh, oh, I didn't expect that. (laughs) And then it throws another one and then another one and and then another one. And something that happened a lot around this time is when bands would do that, they'd, you know, throw in like a jazz interlude for 30 seconds mm. and then go back to brutal, brutal, brutal. This feels like it throws entire songs that are curveballs. Yeah. And I really like, I think that's fantastic. That's very, that was a very brave thing to do back then, certainly. Yeah, um, Yeah, I'm, I'm really floored by this record. I think it's really, really good. Is the second one as good as this one?
0: Um, not quite as good, but okay. it's still really that's good. Still so really so good. we should say um, they released one more album after this, 1996's Pagan terrorism tactics. Um and then uh bass player Audie pitry was killed um in a hit and run accident with his family um which is you know i, I think they were on their way towards recording or writing for a third the, they did have a third for a third record. Yeah 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 um and acid bath have never reformed in fact there was rumors in 2017 that they were going to reform and they were going to be doing some shows together, but they came straight out and went, we won't do it. Uh,
1: apparently a member of the band contacted Corey Taylor, um, asking for acid band type vocalists. <laughs> and that leaked somehow and that reignited this rumor. Yeah. But, um, it, it then came back to the band and they would, they just said we were considering doing some sort of tribute thing, but
0: that's all it was. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, And I think that is why, you know, when you talk, uh, we were saying earlier and you were going, oh, you know, I didn't realise how kind of influential ones, you know, like the reason they're so highly thought of, I think is because they were so unique for the time. They were, I think this is, I mean, Nola's an incredible record and I don't necessarily think it's a sludge, it's a, you know, definitively a sludge record. So I kind of would take Nola and and most of Down's back catalogue away from this but then i th- you know i think the fact that i'm even going oh is it as good as nola or is this better than do you know what i mean i think certainly if you take down out of the equation acid bath are the band from i that from, i f- from that era i at certainly that time. prefer mm. it
1: to most crowbar and i hate god records
0: i think mm, mm. i do i think it's certainly you know like it's it's really really influential yeah. uh it's for in in lots of different ways it's really really you know like you say brilliantly eclectic and ignited you know um, interest in that scene and they they split up there are two albums this guy's gone that's our band's over that's, the that's thing. it that's it they yeah they're a proper cult band um if you haven't heard it if you're a fan of heavy music at all mm. you know i think dax dax Riggs, the mm. the singer is mm-hmm. like Again, like a really unique, dexterous voice.
1: Well, I think it partly reminded me of Today is the day because whilst he doesn't whilst he doesn't vocally sound like Steve Austin, just the dexterity in his voice and what he was doing with it, I was like, that's very Steve Austin-y, yeah. his kind of uh,
0: approach. Mm. So and that's a very good shout actually, because today's the day are <laughs> Unbelievably intense and yeah. nightmarish, so yeah, yeah uh, that makes sense. So, there you go. Uh, that's our chat about when the kite string pops a debut album from Acid Bath. As I say, if you haven't heard it and you're a fan of sort of dark, heavy music, um, you've got to get on that.
1: I have to say as well, it, s- it sounds stunning considering it's 25 years old. Yeah. I don't think it's dated really at all. I mean, you know, well, I think it was so far agree. ahead of everyone else, yeah, that, that yeah. just...
0: Doesn't sound 25 years old at all. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Great, great record. Um, Renfrey, next week, Mm. go on, you're going to give me something and I'm going to give you something, but I'm going to give you a choice, actually, because I'll get to it in a second. What are you going to give me? Okay,
1: I'm going to give you, just to make you even more upset with me, I'm going to give you We're Not Happy Until You're Not Happy by Real Big Fish.
0: Oh you motherfucker. As if I want to listen to that.
1: You gave me claw finger, mate. I did. Have I right. give
0: have I ever given you a claw finger? You've given me a finger. <laughs> um Okay, fine. I'll have to I've listened to a few real big fish albums before. I will uh, endeavour to find something to enjoy in that. Summer's
1: coming. Yeah. Uh it's sunny. That's a good yeah, reason to listen
0: to the Okay, right. It's now, a far
1: more interesting record than you may
0: imagine. Well, what I imagine is <laughs> <laughs> it's not. So, yeah, you're probably right. Um, uh, now, you admitted to me, and we've spoken vaguely a little bit about, it feels funny having giving you like one of the biggest bands in the history of music ever. Right. right. I, but you haven't really listened to much ACDC. Not really. You've kind of thought, what's the point?
1: If you've heard one, you've heard them all. Even the fans say that. Yeah, they do sometimes.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to toss a coin and you're either going to get something from the Brian Johnson era or something from the Bon Scott era. Okay. Um, so what do you want to do? Head Jono? I, I, I want Bon Scott because Bon Scott died around the corner from my house. Did he? Um, well, you're not, you're not getting the choice, unfortunately. <laughs> I am head to head a Bon a Scott. Head Bon Scott and tells Brian Johnson. Yeah. Dropped on the floor. He didn't fucking know, like dropped prick. it. It was tails, and it's landed on heads. That is the ghost of Bon Scott. <laughs> giving <laughs> it you be bon Dirty Scott deeds should... done dirt. Ah, cheap okay, by AC/DC. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, do you know what? I was gonna, the Brian Johnson one. I was going to give you, and no. people will be like, thank fuck for that." It was uh, Fly on the Wall, which is generally considered to be the worst ACDC album. Oh, that would so, be interesting. interesting. Yeah, would have been interesting because you're not a fan anyway. I, I mean, I like AC/DC. Mm. I just.
1: I I wouldn't go. I, I yeah, I'm not a fan fan. I don't I don't love them. They do a very similar thing over and over again. We'll
0: see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh okay. Next week, um we'll be back. Um I just sorry, I just clicked on my phone. Pompey come back to 2-all and then as I clicked on my Twitter, Peterborough just scored to make it 3-2. Uh. as if you can be <laughs> that much of a bunch of cunts. As if it is possible to be that useless. It's fucking staggering how useless you are. That would be like, what do you do? I work in a, I work in a maternity ward. I was you today. I just set fire to loads of babies' faces. I'm not sure you're very good at your job. Um, that's my football team. Anyway, uh, next week we're going to be talking about new albums from Bad Religion, Employed to Serve, The Get Up Kids, and We Never Learned to Live. Go to musicism.net. Um, put in Riot in the checkout in capital letters and you can get 25% off all your courses. And we'll be back next year. Talk Next year? year? Next week.
2: Mm.
0: Talking about ACDC as well. Talking about ACDC and real big fish, Renfri. Yeah. Real big fish. I thought it got better for a second and it's got <laughs> loads worth. See you next week.